is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks! Pressure, and he just dives in! Welcome in, everybody, inside the Gamecocks, the show. It is Tuesday, Wednesday. What day is this, JC? Tuesday, 11-7-2023. It is 11 o'clock. We're going to kick off the show. JB just disappeared there right before we went live, so welcome to everybody. Big win last night for men's basketball. Big win earlier in the day from Paris, from women's basketball. If you haven't watched the Malaysia Full Wiley clip on the internet, I don't know if you're even alive, but go check it out <laughs> because amazing. that lady can ball. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I think, I think Don Staley heard the, the talk about her team couldn't score last mm-hmm. year and uh, hanging 100 on a top 10 team, I guess. That was um, it's impressive, impressive start for them. Uh, I thought the men, and look, they're they're playing the alma mater, right? The Upstate. Uh, right. I, I thought Upstate. Here's the deal about them. As Derek pointed out on the show yesterday, it's a team full of hard nosed in state ballers uh, that, that play basketball against a lot of these guys that probably dream of playing at Colonial Life Arena. It's a big deal. Dave Dickerson's a good coach. I didn't think they relented. Uh, like some teams will just roll over once, 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 once they got they kept Upstate kept fighting back, but the Gamecocks answered every time. And this team's playing like a team right now. It's one game out of thirty, so who knows what will happen in the future? But uh, it was a nice start. I mean, I think that you know it's a little bit different brand of basketball than it was last season. They they play defense. They play team defense. Uh, Craiger in the chat box says, Talon Cooper's a stud. I agree. Uh, I didn't know he was that big. Uh, he could play defensive end, I think. Uh, he's a big old point guard. Uh, uh, Studi uh, is a veteran SEC guy that, uh, you know, what I liked about him last night is his three ball wasn't really falling early. So he did work on the, in the paint, and, and I think he led the team in rebounding last night. Um you really wish they had Murray Boyles because he's yeah. 
you know, if you think about this team with that guy, but uh, I, I thought it was a it was a nice start. It's nice to see the basketball team in November blow somebody out of the water like they're supposed to, right? We've seen too many close calls. We've seen too many losses to teams that they shouldn't lose to in November. Uh, I thought the student section did a good job showing up for the opener last night. So hats off to them. Uh, and 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 I think I think you take hope hope away from that you know that performance because. Uh, it was good team basketball, and and those types of teams that play that way that are older, if they're lucky enough to get to the NCAA tournament, if they work their way up to get to the NCAA tournament, they they have a chance of doing some damage. Those are the types of teams that they get there and, and win. Older teams that play team basketball. Um, so who knows? Who, who knows what'll happen? Virginia Tech obviously step up in competition. Hokies had a big win against Coppin State yesterday. They're picked anywhere from 7th to 11th in the ACC. We all know Mike Young can coach, and we all know it's going to be a challenge in Charlotte on Friday night. But, you know, if the Gamecocks shoot 50% from three-point land and, you know, play as well in defense as they did uh, last night, they'll have a shot at winning. You know, they'll have a shot at winning just about every game. So we'll see uh, see what happens. But certainly, uh, certainly was a it was refreshing to see a big, big victory on the court uh, against a, a lower level team to start the season. Hey, Jamie. Yeah. Yep. Sorry about that. A uh, little, little bit late getting in, but uh, welcome to everybody. We, of course, were built by the barndominiumco.com and served by chicken cock whiskey. Yeah. I know Hale's waiting to get in, so we'll plug him in, but quick thoughts on, on hoops last night. We'll talk plenty about it today. Mike Morgan is coming up as well at noon and he'll be with us for the final two hours of our programming. The word that, uh, first and foremost, uh, hats off to both because the ladies just dominated. It was a combined 182 points yesterday scored between the men and the women, and they only gave up 124. Uh, they both looked really, really good. Dawn's team is more athletic than they were last year. They're better. They're scary good. LSU loses yesterday. That's interesting to start open the season. They'll get it together. That's all Kim Mulkey needs to get her girls going, so I'm sure they'll be fine. And then the men last night – JC and Phil, I texted both of you, and 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 from the get go in that game, they they attacked. That's all they did was attack, 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 attack. Y'all remember last year in the spring when we were talking about? I I I said this. I'll own it. I don't know who they are. Like, what are they trying to do here? They were trying to play that positionless basketball, and it didn't make any sense. Makes a lot of sense now. Uh, when you see they're they're not always going to shoot sixty percent from long range, but when you attack and you move the basketball, and you have guys who can shoot, you can play that game. And that's exactly what they did. They attacked until the very end of the ball game. That's, that's what they're going to do. And, and honestly, they play defense like Frank Martin's teams play defense. They play man. They play fast. They play furious. They, they get hands in the face. They get hands in the lanes. And, and that's how you want to play defense. Um, so this team's got a chance. And it's only one game, and it's only USC Upstate. Let's not necessarily – overreact I'm, but I'm talking about the style of basketball that they're playing it looks like they've got the personnel to be able to play that now it's unselfish and, unselfish basketball and yeah yeah, yeah when, it, when you move the basketball and you can shoot and you're always attacking looking for the best shot I mean that's what Alabama does so yeah maybe let's be Alabama around here that'd be fun shoot yeah I'll take I'll take a, a, the the and uh, Carolina plays better defense. And the Nate Oates teams aren't exactly known for their defensive prowess. So, 
Who knows? No. Who knows what will happen? I, I don't want to over overreact, no. but uh, but I, I will I will say this about Upstate: they're not bad. I mean, they're they're not. No, they're not. They're well. They're not one of these like two and twenty six teams. Or I mean, they'll win their games in the Big South just like they have every year under Dickerson. And like I said, it's a bunch of in state local kids. So I mean, they you know they take a lot of pride, and they did not give up. They did not relent uh, yesterday. Carolina was just better. So. Yeah. Uh, and answered every run. That's it. That's important. Answer every run. So there's, who knows? There's no question. They, they this is a fun brand of basketball. If it works, this could be a really fun year at the CLA. All right. You know who works every Tuesday and Monday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Hale McGranahan, Saturday, Sunday. He works twenty four seven, three sixty five with the BigSpur.com. Hey, brother. I do take off some sometimes on Thursdays and then occasional oh. during the season. Uh, don't, uh, don't oversell my my work ethic, please. <laughs> I don't think that's possible, man, to be honest with you. No, no, no. We all know. We all know that Whittle's the hardest worker around there. Hill. Don't right. worry. We get it. We get yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you watch the games yesterday? The basketball games. I the only South Carolina basketball I saw was the highlight, the the full Wiley highlight. That was that was smooth, but. Boy, no, I watched more. Uh, I watched more South Carolina football yesterday, which wasn't a lot than uh, South Carolina basketball. <laughs> yeah, well, it's okay, Hale. It's you know, it's a you have you have a job to do, which is covering the football program, which is trying to get their fourth win this weekend uh, against uh, Vanderbilt. It was sloppy, but they got it done this past weekend, and we've seen them lose those games around here before. They didn't, so that's good, right? Step in the right direction, I guess. It's it had been what. Um, we or excuse me, a month and a week or however long since the last win, and you know there for a few minutes in the fourth quarter, it looked like Ooh. might be going the other way, and probably a lot longer than a few minutes, and not just in the fourth quarter. So if uh, if this team can build off of that and and find another way to win this weekend, maybe uh, a little more convincingly and a lot less, uh, I don't know. Uh, terrible on defense, I guess, is, is the only way to put it. I mean, good Lord. You thought, at least I thought after those first three drives when uh, when Jacksonville State had about 17 yards that finally, like, this this is the, the game where the defense puts it together and, and really asserts itself and, and leaves people feeling pretty good about what's going on. Um, uh, a, few, a few quarters go by and, and – it was almost a disaster. And yeah, I, I think has it, it just didn't really do much to, to ease many concerns around here. Uh, I know some folks are, are certainly happy with the win, but the manner in which it was attained uh, is it rightfully so got, got some people concerned and, and yeah, moving forward, I don't know what that's going to mean, but just looking at last week, um, it was, it was an ugly win for sure. Yeah, that's uh, putting it uh, politely. Yeah, look, hey, you know, um, Hale, they, I, I've been, I want to get your thoughts on a comment that I made. Um, and maybe you can agree, disagree, redirect it, however you want to do it, add to it. I, again, they, they've got three games left to play here, and, and they can win all three of these. They're very winnable games. Um, strictly to the defense, though. Turnovers are part of the game, mm-hmm. so you can't just 
you know, just you can't just have revisionist history and act like they haven't created turnovers around here because they have. And that's largely why they've pulled the upsets and, and won some of the big games that they've won over the last couple of years. Clemson, Kentucky, Texas A&M. I can make an argument they wouldn't have won any of those games without creating turnovers. Had they had the same turnover numbers in 22 and 21 that they have in 23, again, they didn't. So the conversation really is kind of a, a moot point. But to to make my point, uh, had they not had those turnovers, Coach Beamer's record coming into this season would wouldn't be very good, uh, and it certainly wouldn't have the big wins that it that it has. And and I think you know when you you can have a lot of these conversations when you have enough data and information to have them, right? That's generally the fairest way to do it instead of overreacting about everything. And and so now we're almost at three years in, and you take away the turnovers. Uh, and, and then you see what the record would be. I say all that to say this. I'm not so sure that in the last two and a half, three years, this defense is just able to just go out and put a hat on a hat and beat anybody. Uh, and when you look around the league, let's take Georgia and Alabama. Let's kind of put them in their own little little world, you know, because they get the best athletes in the country. There's, As Shane said last year, 1,000 five-stars. But – you look at the rest of the what you would call like blue collar type teams, um, Tennessee. You can A and M's recruited a bunch of really talented players. I know that, but generally they're more of a blue collar type program. Um, Ole Miss, right? Uh, Missouri. You know those teams aren't always just leading the country in turnover. Sometimes they're at the bottom of the league, as a matter of fact. But their defense is significantly better, well coached, better talent. I don't know, but they're able to put a hat on a hat and go out there and beat you without having to force you to turn it over three times. And that that when you really look back, that's been a problem around here for quite some time. So what do you, what would you – do you agree with that, first of all, or disagree with it? And um, and if you do disagree, or if you do agree, what would you attribute it to? If you just look at run defense, for example, they really hadn't stopped the run with any type of consistency since 2017. Uh, this year has actually been a little bit better than it's been in the past, and that's not saying a whole lot because it's been pretty bad since what that that second must champ year. But I, I think they're giving up about 146 on the ground this year. That year, 17, it was like 140 ish, 141, which was like fifth in the SEC. 146 would have been right behind them. Uh, so I think they're a little better that way. Um, so as far as like being able to put a hat on a hat and just be physical and stand toe to toe with somebody, whatever cliche, uh, I, I think they've been a little bit better this season. Uh, and as far as consistency wise last week, obviously with, with Jacksonville state, the, the rushing numbers were pretty, pretty bad. But if, if there's anything to be optimistic about, it's that you're, you're not facing rich Rodriguez again, you're not facing an offense that, operates a system quite like that. You, you might see it from time to time with Clemson because they can run the quarterback some, but but just that straight up, you know, run first style that's zone read and, and going really fast tempo wise. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's going to be much of that left on, on the schedule in these next three games. So uh, I, I think they're a little better again to, to answer your question, JB. I think they're a little bit better, but certainly not where it needs to be. Um, to, to me, the biggest issue with this defense has been what, what they've given up through the air with those big plays, which we saw 
again last weekend. Uh, some of it coming in the slot, slot from slot receivers. Um, whether it's the nickel just getting beat straight up, or a safety who's who's clearly supposed to be helping over the top, being too late or, or just getting beat as well. Um, so so yeah, I I think they're a little bit better uh, as far as being more physical and, and all that type of stuff. I think Debo Williams probably has a lot to do with that. He's playing at a really high level mm-hmm. or higher level than, than what we've seen from, from most linebackers over the last several years. Uh, Stone Blanton at times has been pretty good. He certainly didn't have his best game last weekend up until that pick six. He, he, he struggled, but uh, I, I think they're a little bit better again, getting back to your point, JB. I, I think they're a little bit better, but, but still have plenty of room to improve for sure. Here's something we haven't talked about around here in a while, guys. This is for everybody to have a discussion about penalties. 67 of them thus far this year for Carolina. They've played nine games. That's over seven a game. That That's not good. What would you all attribute that to? I, mean, the first I would say undisciplined. <laughs> I think yeah. some, some of it's youth on the O-line, though, with the false starts and stuff, I would think. That's that's what I was gonna say, JC. Yeah, that's but some and, of it, but not all. I mean, some. Right? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, if we looked at those penalties, for all I know, there could be more. You know, offsides or or whatever special teams penalties have seemed to be an issue than than offensive line penalty related penalties. Uh, but yeah, I I tend to agree with you, JC. And yeah, they've been un- there's been sort of unfortunate pass interference calls, but uh, I think Carolina's also benefited from some that. We're borderline this year. It just seems like something they, uh, something that they're uh, calling a little more. For, I mean, I, I was watching. Shoot, who was I watching the other day? Missouri and Georgia, and there were several of them that were like, eh, "I don't know about that, Peter." So you know, maybe it's just the way they're calling it this year. But uh, uh, you know, I, I, it, it, it's it. The penalties do not help, though. You know, you know, it doesn't take talent not to, not to get penalized. Yeah, no, right. It, it, it's a razor-thin margin for this team. Everything generally has to go right to beat a team that they're not supposed to beat. Ten penalties a game isn't going isn't gonna to help you. It, the A&M game, uh, it, you know, I think overall, by the way, just, just to be clear on this, I think SEC officiating this year has improved. Uh, I mean, they're not perfect, and they're never going to be perfect. I do think it's improved, personally. But there are different crews that seem to – see things, you know, or penalize things a little bit more than others. It, going back to the A&M game, did y'all notice in the first half, and obviously A&M ended up cleaning it up at some point in time, they were going to get busted for it. But did y'all notice in any of the replays in the first couple of drives of the game, how many hands to the face calls were missed? Uh, A&M's defensive line getting their hands up underneath the offensive line and, and, basically on their chin did anybody else see that there was three or four of them did y'all did y'all notice that at all i did not catch that no yeah i I just just curious i mean it's not why they lost i'm just saying that um generally you call that once and it wipes itself out you know the guys get a little bit more um disciplined in that area but um but you know that's there's some crews that'll throw the flag every time they see it and and that crew in particular that they didn't throw it once they got carolina though for one for one of them but they didn't get the Aggies for any of them. It's really 
really kind of phenomenal. All right, um, so you got Vanderbilt coming up here, Hale. And, and again, as we pointed out, all three of these games are are very still very winnable um, for South Carolina football. Uh, what in your mind is is more important right now for the Gamecocks? Is it cleaning up some of the big plays on defense, or is it getting the running game going? Uh, as it relates to the Vanderbilt matchup, the the big plays allowed on defense. I'm looking at at uh, 20 plus yards passing plays for for Vanderbilt offensively. They've got 43. That's third most in the SEC. Wow. Granted, They've played in uh, more game, one more game than everybody else. Uh, I, I won't look at the South Carolina figure, but everybody knows they've given up a ton of plays for more than 20 yards through the air, and they're last in the SEC. So that, to me, is a pretty critical matchup for this game on Saturday. It's South Carolina trying to limit those as, as best they can. And I'm sure if Jaden McGowan from – Lawrence hits a big play. The message board at the Big Spur is probably going to self-destruct, and uh, we we may not have a website anymore if, if that happens Saturday afternoon. <laughs> For the sake of y'all, I hope that's not true. <laughs> Read that. Give me that stat. Can I steal that stat for our preview sure. show on Friday? What was the stat? Okay, Vanderbilt, uh, they've got 43 passing plays for 20 or more yards. They've played in 10 games, so it's it's – Third most in the SEC. Second most is Ole Miss with 53. LSU has 57. But they've got more 20-plus yard completions than Georgia, Missouri, uh, Alabama, uh, and some, you know, Tennessee, uh, some other teams where you think that they're yeah. pretty good on offense, too, as far as making big plays. But Vanderbilt's done a ton a ton of that. I'd, I'd have to go game by game to see, see how it breaks down, uh, whether – you. It's very possible they they did a lot of that against like Hawaii and some of those softer teams they played that you know their numbers might be down and probably are down in SEC play but uh, yeah UNLV JC uh, so we, we know that South Carolina has given up a ton to whoever they've played what, whatever league they're from whatever conference logo is on their jersey. Uh, it, it doesn't seem to make a difference. I, if I were writing keys to the game for Vanderbilt, I'd say Shepard and McGowan. Those are you guys. Just L- London Humphreys, too, the freshman. Yeah, who South Carolina was a little involved with in recruiting. But yeah, yeah his, his mom his mom was like a decathlete or something at Carolina when she was in school. So God, I feel uh, like the Shepard kid's been there forever. Yeah, just be careful with those guys. I mean, they're, they're, Vander's a little one-dimensional. They don't really try to run it. They can't run it a lot of people. Uh, gotta be, gotta be, can't give up those, a bunch of big plays Saturday, man. It's, uh, uh, well, the Shepherd kids who they're looking for to get in the end zone, he scored 21 touchdowns in his career at Vanderbilt. So, I mean, you know, that generally when we know who the guys are, it doesn't matter. Those are still the guys that find a way to beat them on Saturdays. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I, I, I think, uh, if there ever was a time for, South Carolina to to try to have Kawan Banks on the field covering guys more often than he has at any point this season. Uh, this is the game because I, I think it's pretty clear that the Vanderbilt's got a bunch of receivers that are going to be rolling out there, and, and you probably don't want to have to count on a Jalen Kilgore or DQ Smith to to uh, keep some of those small shifty guys, McGowan in particular, who's fast as hell. Uh, 
So the, the, those matchups could be scary if if the personnel doesn't uh, match up in, in an ideal way for Carolina. What do we know about Vanderbilt's offensive line? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know a whole lot. I, I'd have to pull up the, the SAG numbers to, to form a, a deduction, but uh, and I, I mean, it's not like South Carolina has rushed the passer, rushed no. the pass all that well. Yeah, well, that was kind of – I know Ken Seals, which, by the way, it sounds like kind of a porn name. Good for him. Uh, he was sacked five times on Saturday by Auburn in the game. And, uh, you know, this this defense this year sack, – sack numbers aren't all were – I mean, Gamecocks sacked Florida four times, but they hung 41 points on the board. So it's not like that – the sack number is definitely, you know, going to be a, a, a game changer by any way – in any way, shape, or form. I just – I haven't seen enough of them. I've, I've watched them here and there, but I haven't seen enough of them with, you know, against a throughout the season going now going up against a defensive line and, and really overall just a defense that's just struggled to get to the quarterback. I mean, you feel like that's going to be a, a huge part in a game that South Carolina, this has come down, I think, a point and a half, by the way, the spread. I think it's at 13 and a half, but they're still expected to win it by a decently large margin. But if you can't get pressure on the quarterback, that's how these teams hang around. Right, the, uh, the it's it's just so weird, man. The the defense has started pretty well most games this season. Whether you look at last week, uh, Missouri certainly. I mean, they got off the field with the three and out in the first drive of Missouri, then gave up four four scoring drives. Uh, I mean, A and M, Georgia, uh, they've started pretty well for the most part. They just got to figure out how the hell they're going to be able to piece it together for a second quarter and a third quarter and a fourth quarter are, you know, a majority of those quarters, not, not just, you know, Hey, let's, let's play well for a stretch. Then Holy cow. Like, is, is there even a defense on the field and hope, hope like hell that you can get a turnover. And and we've seen that too often this season. And, and I, you know, Vanderbilt is, is not a good team by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, they've, They've put up some some numbers on on some some bad teams earlier in the season, and I I think that's kind of propped them up as far as w- what you see in the, the SEC stat rankings, which I referenced a good bit. Um, so in theory, this is a game where the defense should come out and play well and and flex a little bit. But again, we we've seen it too many times already this season that whether it's Furman or Mississippi State or Florida or last week, Texas A&M, the second quarter for that matter. I mean, it's just there, there's not been enough consistency, and I, I just don't know at this point that I could sit here and, and say, hey, you know what, this is the game where, where they they really make some plays. I don't know, maybe, maybe these turnovers are, are going to help propel them to better play. You know, the staff has talked a lot about how, you know, you get one and you're going to get a bunch that they, they, they kind of compound a little bit, but yeah, I, I don't know that I necessarily buy into that, that line of thought, but with, just, with the ex- exception of amazingly Georgia, amazingly, ah. the other, uh, the opposing coordinator has adjusted to South Carolina's defense. Every time they, every time they've started well, there's been games, obviously they yep. have not started well um, quickly. Quickly, and, yep. and then Carolina doesn't adjust to halftime. I mean, and, and that's kind of a known thing that they don't. And I, for the life of me, I can't figure it out. 
But maybe one day someone will explain that to me. And if that's common in college football, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it, it, and it's that that's this whole year I've been talking about how the other team has coaches too, <laughs> you know, and and a lot of them are real smart guys, you know, they know ball and they know what to do. And so, you know, unfortunately, uh, second quarters have been sort of brutal, right? Yeah, it's, it's second quarter this year. The numbers are not good for the Gamecocks. Really, quite frankly, are the first five to ten minutes of the third quarter. It, you know, that 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 twenty minute time span there has just sucked the, the life out of them. How about this, guys? Uh, we Dowell showed a couple of things that are a little bit different on Saturday. I found that interesting. Hale, Jacksonville State. Uh, you've got a formation down there with all three of your or your top three running backs, I guess, all in the ball game. Uh, he then shows one where Mario's the up back and you've got Tonka back there taking the snap and kind of rumbling over there and pounding it into the end zone. Uh, I, th- I found that a little, you know, strange that we're seeing that for the first time all year against the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. What did, what did you make of that? And do you anticipate that there's more to that that we maybe will see unfold in the next couple of weeks? As far as like the more than one running back on the field at once, is that what you're referring to specifically? Well, that in the in the formation with Tonko, we haven't seen that all year. Oh well, I mean, I I'm more into the like non gimmicky type stuff. No offense to to your your thing with Tonka and and having some defensive guys on the field. They they did did uh did that in in the AM game when Josh I think it was Josh Simon's touchdown pass touchdown catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they had some some defensive linemen out there, which is fine near the goal line. I, I'm certainly not opposed to that, but um, I I thought the the two and three running back stuff was was really cool. And, and to your point, though, I, I am surprised that, that they haven't done more of that, considering where, where they've been this season at, at receiver with Juice going down and seeing Amari Brown out at times, and and Leggett being a little banged up here lately. Um, and, and you certainly can't game plan for that like with Leggett when he gets hurt against Missouri. But I thought it it worked pretty well, and, and I like seeing Juju operating out of the slot. There have been a lot of people talking about wanting to get him uh, into more advantageous positions to make plays, and, uh, you know, the slot seems like a pretty good area for him to do that, and, and we saw some of that. Uh, getting him at a screen uh, out on the perimeter early on in that game is like, wow, this – this looks like something they should have been doing for a while now and, and at the very least can continue to try to do it. So with with the carry-on having his ankle and and I'm guessing he's still going to be doubtful for Saturday. That's what Beamer said on Sunday. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that they're going to necessarily do a lot of the three running back stuff with, with DJ Braswell out there. I mean, maybe they, they will, but um, because I, I think they were able to take advantage of that because – Joiner's been a receiver. Juju's been around for a while and, and has pretty good feel for for offense in general. Uh, so so you can kind of mix and match, move those guys around and, and and make it a little tougher for the defense to figure out what they are on on any given play. Sort of like what the 49ers do with McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, uh, the, albeit at a completely different level than what we're talking about right here with Carolina, but. Uh, I, I thought that stuff was really cool and, and really liked what, what they were able to get with Juju 
regardless of what the carry on status is, I, I do think that uh, getting getting Juju out out on the the edge and the perimeter and getting him the ball out there uh, is is a good way to go about things. And, and, and I I hope I would think that that that's going to continue to to have a place in this offense. Yeah, he touched it 29 times, or 29, nine times. Him and Mario combined for 29 touches in the game. I think they had seven receptions total between the two, and then like 22 carries or something like that. So I guess 22 plus seven, my simple math would tell me that's 29, Hale. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I the, going back to the goal line thing you mentioned a minute, because I'm with you, I'm not a big gimmicky guy, Um I, I don't mind it every so often when you have a defensive end try to throw a touchdown pass though when you once you run it seventy five yards down their throat. I'm a big fan of that. But um but I but I agree with you. I, I've always found one of the things that I loved and I, I sure hope we get to see to carry on again. Maybe Shane can update it today as to 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 what that injury really is and how significant it's going to be. Um but JC and Phil and myself, and I, I think you've actually been a part of these conversations too on on your Tuesday segments. We've echoed this many times that uh, down by the goal line to carry on, he he just sniffs it, man. When you're inside the ten yard line, you you should feel pretty good about giving him the ball. Um, number one, he takes care of it, and um, and number two, he knows how to get across that that white stripe. Uh, and that's that's kind of going back to what you said about Tonka and and all that. Understand what they're doing. Actually, I, I, it's kind of neat. Tonka has been pretty good with the ball in his hands over the years, but I always feel like it's better to give the ball to a guy who who knows how to hang on to it. And um, you, you just hate to see somebody do, do something ridiculous like coughing it up or something before you trot into the end zone. So we'll see. Um, the offensive line, nine now. They're nine for nine. Are they going to be ten for ten this week, Hale? Uh, with the new starting five, probably. Yeah. Probably. Uh... I can't remember who started last week. It's it's hard to keep up. It's it's almost it's worse than trying to keep up with what they're doing in the the secondary last year with all the injuries they had. But uh, I, I'm just going to assume that that it's going to have to be different because it it you know what Jakai Moore went down uh, and then he did come back against Jacksonville State. But I, it's like every other quarter, somebody's getting helped off the field and is is you know done for the day or hobbling back out there. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, there, that first third down, I'm, I'm going to go on a tangent here. That first third down South Carolina had uh, on offense last week. And when, when they handed the ball to Juju on what looked like a sweep to the left, going towards South Carolina sideline and, and the defensive tackle ran him down from behind, pulled him down. That guy shot through, I guess the B gap. And I, I don't, I don't recall if John Darius Morgan had just come in that play, or if it was the previous play, but it was it was right around the time Jakai Moore, <clears throat> excuse me, had to come off the field, and uh, the guy just scoots right through through the gap, not even touched, and he's able to to get Juju from behind because Juju's letting the block the block set up. And man, it was if if you guys if anybody goes back and watches that play and sees how they were able to to wall off that edge, he would have not only gotten the first down, he would have probably been close to the red zone, if not crossing the goal line on that play. I mean, it was beautifully, beautifully blocked. But all it takes is just one one guy missing, and I'm assuming it was John Darius Morgan who missed the block. I could be wrong. But one guy missing a block, and it just blows up all the shit. And it's just like, well, why, you know, why are they running that play? Juju on third down. 
that's an issue. Like, why, why is this happening again? Well, all it takes is, is one one mistake, and that's what happens. Well, when, when you're having to cycle guys into the offensive line over and over and over and over and over and over, and over, and over again, you're going to have plays where, where that's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's probably frustrating as hell for Juju or Mario Anderson or Spencer Rattler or Dow Log and Shane Beamer, whoever, when – when that's the hand you're you've been dealt, like and and there's, it's just nothing. There's nothing you can do about it. It's it, it's kind of crazy that that <laughs> it just keeps happening like this, and and it affects affects your game. I mean, if if Juju takes that to the house, which I think it was very possible, it's fourteen to nothing. Yeah, Jacksonville yeah. State's not tying the game on their next drive because they need to score two touchdowns to do that. Who knows what that game looks like if if John Darius Morgan or whoever else, the, whoever the left tackle was at that time, can just get an arm out and slow that guy down. You, you never know. So, uh, again, like I said, I was going on a tangent there. I'm not even really sure why I referenced that. It was just something I saw and when I, that was a play I wanted to look at and be like, how did that guy make such a great play? Well, nobody touched him. Yeah. Well, it, 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 there's been a lot of that this year. And, you know, I – I've done everything I can personally, Hale, to to learn as much as I can from people who know a lot more than I do, uh, and and I under I understand it. I hate it, but I understand the problems that they're having, you know. And and they're hopefully they can get this all cleaned up in the off season from a health standpoint, and and keep those guys some sort of cohesive. Um, you know, you you'd like to think you're always going to have injuries, but you'd like to think that uh, if you just maybe had two or three less. That this would just be a totally different looking team. Of course, the tight ends, guys, the tight ends have missed a lot of blocks this year, too. They have, yeah. And, and they had just really haven't been that good at doing it, to be to be quite frank. Um, so I don't know what the answer is going to be, but they, they, they've got to come up with one quickly because they're on thin ice here with wanting to play in the postseason. Uh, my, I've got one final quick one here, and I, I know we're, we're long past due for a break, so, Phil, we'll have to figure this out. But, um, you know, you're nine games in. Uh, I, I don't mean this disrespectfully. And, and if this young man is watching our program, I hope he's practicing. But if he is happen to be watching our program, I hope you know this is it's nothing personal. But at some point in time, you just you're just not really that good. And right now, Kai Kroger just really isn't that good. Hale, um, we've seen him be great. I thought he was the best punter in the, in the nation last year. At some point in time, you're not really working through your problems anymore when you've been punting for nine games and you're doing the same thing you were in the first one. So I, I don't know what the answer is. Um, I'd be anxious to know, though, if somebody would would ask the question to Shane or Dowell or anybody, how does that affect how you call the game? Because, you know, if you're only counting on 35 and 40-yard punts and the other team's getting it at the 40, 35, 40-yard line, why not just take a shot on third down every so often? It gets picked off. It gets picked off. If not, maybe you hit a big play. I, I'm just curious as to if there's any thought as to – or if there is any response to, do they call the game a little bit differently when their punter is struggling? That's that's a good question. And I, I've tried to ask Shane about the status of Kai's job. I guess it was after the AM game that Sunday. And and he seems pretty committed to to keeping Kai Kroger as a punter. At least he, he was after the AM game. Um I, I think as much as anything, they're just trying, they being the coaching staff are, are trying to <laughs> quite frankly, downplayed the struggles mm-hmm. of the punter. And 
I heard you and, and Whittle, you guys talking to Whittle about this yesterday. I think it's just a mental thing. It's really what it seems like it boils down to me. I mean, it's punting is not a difficult job. I mean, I've, I kicked and punted in high school. I was a terrible punter, not much better at kicker, but a little bit. Punt, punting, you either can do it or you can't. And we've clearly seen Kyle Kroger can do it. Like, he can boot the shit out of the ball. But it, it's just not not been the case. I mean, Shane said after the AM game that they were trying to keep it away from from uh, Anaya Smith, and they wanted to, to punt it 40 to 45 yards. Well, he was barely doing that. And – for for whatever reason, it's it's been an issue throughout the course of the season, and it's clearly, I mean, it's it's affected some of these games. Uh, when, when you leave the team with the ball at midfield, give the ball to the team at midfield, and they've only got to go fifty five yards to score a touchdown. The numbers are incredibly higher as far as percentages uh, when you have the ball in that part of the field. Uh, and, and there's no we, – we haven't seen Kai Kroger flip a field very often this year, and we no. saw it a lot, a lot yeah. in the first three years uh, that he's been here. And, you know, they don't win the Clemson game without Kai Kroger. Yeah, You're right. Yeah. yeah. Ask my buddies, and they say they lost that game because of the punter. That's been really good. Well, I'm I can not, make, I'm not, I can make the, yeah. I can make the argument, too, it, from just the men – when you got a struggling defense – I don't know if it'd make a difference with this defense from sometimes, but, but I mean, the mentality of when your punter booms one versus when your punter essentially shanks one, it's, it's deflate. It takes the air out of the entire ballpark. If you're at home, number one. And I would only imagine that, that JC, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'll, I'll turn it over to you, but I would only imagine that trickles down to the sidelines a little bit as well. I'll say this. I think punting is a lot like golf or uh, pitching in baseball. Absolutely. Uh, its struggles are very mental because uh, it, it, it's a consistency thing. Um, he's just a, in a slump, man. He's got to get a slump. <laughs> he needs a slump buster. Kai <laughs> does. So uh, <laughs> easy. I'm not looting anything there. Just to say no, he's a slump yeah, buster, you know. But uh, he, uh, you know, I don't think that it's one of those things where you, you throw it back, you know, and, and have somebody else out there doing it. I don't, I don't know if Carolina has anybody else that's that. that, that no, talented. I'm not advocating for that. I yeah, I, I'm not either. I'm not either. Um, I, um, if there was somebody that was out kicking it in practice, hell yeah, you do it. But uh, I'm not sure there is. And, and, you know, as with everything else with this team, forget about the last eight or nine and go play the last three up to your potential. Uh, play, play like you're capable of freaking playing. Yeah. There's so many guys that have made bad plays this year that we've seen play well individually. You know? Yeah. Just go just go do it. Just go do it. Uh, the, the Kai Kroger struggling is the worst thing. That, that's, like, that's like putting a turd on top of a pile of poo, like a, like a cherry on a Sunday. That's the last thing this team you'd think that this team would be struggling with. That's what that's what you know? it's like, Bill. I will say this: <laughs> punt block, punt of all the special teams units that have struggled this year, punt blocks coming along. Uh, Shane's right; they should have had one or two Saturday. So oh, punt gosh. blocks get punt blocks getting better. 
and one in the A and M game. They, I don't know. Yeah. I think, was it Simon that missed the? Wall? I don't even know how he did it. I don't yeah. know. Did he? Did he like? Did he turn? Like Casper the ghost, he just ran right. I don't know how the ball got by him. It's just been one of those years, man. Um, and and Mitch Jeter, obviously, because like I, I'm not, I shouldn't have even said his name because now he'll miss three field goals. Don't, yeah, don't, you can't do that. But uh, you know, pump blocks coming. A guy just needs to get better. Blah 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 blah. Let's just uh, flush it and move forward. Hallelujah! Holy. Get, Where's the uh, Tylenol? Get in a slump buster. Somehow. I mean, I mean, he needs a slump buster this weekend. Hell, hey, that, get I mean, on that. that that win for the Gamecocks over the Gamecocks on Saturday was was a slump buster, right? I think no, um, no. I mean, they they lost so many in a row, and and they finally won. But it's you know nobody's running running to go brag about it. Well, most people weren't running to brag about it somewhere, I guess, but. That's not one that you want to get excited and tell everybody about, right? Even though, all right, yes, I'm, I'm with you there. If I follow the logic there, hell, I, yeah. I, I was, I was dumb. So yeah, so there we go, there we go. But you know, it's, I, I got it's it. crazy. Picking up what you're putting down, you know. All right, we better, we better, we better get hell like out of it, right? Yeah, like a moped. We gotta get you out of here, man. Don't yeah, hell, we uh, we know you got to work, man. Um, you know, give our best to the to you know to our whoever. Just whoever, whoever you come across, give our best to them. Give our best to them. I will. This is way more fun than than work. I enjoy it every time with you guys. <laughs> Always a pleasure. You're the man, dude. Hey, nice, Thanks, nice recruiting updates, by the way, too. We're, we're keeping our eyes on your hard work. All right. We'll see you Thanks, now. Hale. There you go. Hail McGranahan, thebigspur.com. It's 1145. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, Phil, let's slip into one break here. We'll do that, and uh, we'll be right back on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nanasporch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. 
South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Pop quiz for you two goobers. What movie does that music remind you of? Sort of reminds me of The Hangover, but I know it's not not from The Hangover. Mm-hmm. Or or a score, some Scorsese film, maybe. I don't know. You want me to get? You want me to give? Do you have a guess, Phil, or do you want a hint? Don't look at the chat box because you, you, these guys no, ruin I'm everything when we do pop quizzes. You can't look. Yeah, at yeah, yeah, I'm good. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll give you. You want a hint? Nicholas yeah, Cage. Yeah, sure. Leaving Las Vegas? No. The Rock. Nick Cage. No. Uh, Con Air. Con Air. No. Yeah. No. Uh, wow. Uh, raising Arizona. Don't look at the chat box. I see your eyes wandering, JC. I'm, no, I'm looking the other way. The chat box is to the this way. Or yeah, no, the chat box is that way. So. I looked in the chat box. I would never would have gotten that. So thanks, chat box. Phil, you're a cheater. Gone <laughs> that, well, oh God. I've never seen that movie. I, I've saw it once. It's good, but it, it like then they started making all those fast and furious movies. So that genre is like a complete uh brainless all seventeen of them. I haven't seen any of them. None well, Vin, of them. Vin Diesel may be the worst good actor out there. Dude, the guy made like, it. Dude can't act out of his paper do, bag. Do you think he's better than The Rock? Yes. No, 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 he's not better than The Rock. The Rock and Steven Seagal are like Marlon Brando compared to freaking John Cusack or, or Keanu Reeves, who's a good guy but can't act. Keanu, <laughs> Keanu, let, let's just be honest. Keanu Reeves, very – all right. For, I don't remember where he was, Bill or Ted, but that role, yes, good. Uh, 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 the 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 cop from uh, Point Break, bro, bro, yeah, he was in Much Ado About Nothing, and, and he's just like, sitting there talking to the epic pictometer. He's like, "Art thou good looking today, my lady, bro?" Uh, you know, terrible actor. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and Vin Diesel is that level. It's it's like I think they have to hold up cue cards for him to like read his lines. Uh, so in the the Rock and uh, and Steven Seagal guys like that put him to shame. 
What, what's that? What's the Australian badass's name that's in everything? That he just kicks a lot. He's kind of a, a British guy. I don't know. Uh, he's in those action movies too. But, uh, oh, you're talking about um, that one? No, no. He's talking about um, what's his name? Who was in Taken? Oh, uh, Liam Neeson? No, Liam not Liam Neeson. No, 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 no. This guy's oh, an action. Jason, Jason Statham. Statham. Yeah, Jason Statham. Statham. Jason Statham. Statham. Yeah, Jason That's Statham. it. Yeah, he's very good too. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that that um, Vin Diesel's just horrible. <laughs> but he's made seventeen movies that have made up. I mean, he doesn't have to. His not grandchildren exactly. don't have to work. So who am I to? Or their grandchildren? Are their grandchildren? Oh, he no. he right, owns the Fast and Furious. I mean, he's a genius businessman, but yeah, you know, who'd you I rather, don't know. Who'd you rather have dinner with, Steven Seagal or Chuck Norris? Chuck Norris. Yeah, I think I'd go Norris. Chuck Norris is Chuck. Yeah, I've got a thousand and one Chuck Norris jokes, so I'm not going to even bother you guys with those. A thousand and one. <laughs> Yes, but no, uh, it's uh, yeah. That, that Gone in sixty seconds was a good movie, but then the fast, the Fast and Furious is so bad, it ruined Gone in sixty seconds for me. Dude, when I was in high school, one of my one of my best friends, uh, Terrence Linyard, who was a hell of a basketball player at Wando, we uh, we didn't end up being able to do it because it just time caught up to us. We could, but we were going to go for Halloween one year. We were going to. Go trick or treating as Walker, Texas Ranger. I was going to be Chuck Norris, and he was going to be uh, what was the what was the other guy's name who wore the big uh, Ray Bans? Oh, oh, oh! I don't remember what was his partner's name. I, I don't know. You're stomping us on every corner here. I know this is Throwback Tuesday for some reason. Is it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's also vote. I had to go vote this morning, so uh, it's election day. Make sure you get out there and do that. There's no local elections like where I'm. No, nothing of significance in Illinois today. Really? So, yeah. So. These are just local here. Mayor, council. Uh, yeah, that's a, they. They did all that last time. Like the, the, I guess the the governor of the. I live in a village. <laughs> no, I, 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 like I, I, I poop you not. It is a vill- there. If there's villages in Illinois, not, they're not towns. They're called villages. Uh, I guess there's a distinction in a township, and there's multiple villages within a township, and it makes no sense whatsoever. Like a township's like a mini county, and our uh, fire basically a fire district or school district, but they all tax you. You know, so it's it's a yeah. brilliant it's a it's a brilliant uh, scheme that these people have going up here. You know, the township taxes you and they may handle the library and the fire department, but then the village taxes you uh, and, oh, they don't have a police department. So then the county comes and taxes you because Will County, the county I live in, uh, the county seat is Joliet, by the way, where the prison from the Blues Brothers is, uh, they tax you. And then the state taxes your butt into oblivion on everything. And then your property taxes are like eh, $10,000 a year on a $220,000 house. Jeez. So, so yeah, th- this, this racket up here. So I make sure to vote against everybody who's in favor of abolishing different levels of government. <laughs> Whoever wants to do that. I don't care what party you're in, what kind of social policies you have, because you don't affect social policies on the local level. Who wants to get rid of the townships or the villages? 
And n- none of them are up for election this year. So, well, I don't tell people how I vote. So I'll j- all I'll say is I voted. I'll leave it at that. I don't tell people who I vote for, but I'll, I'll give an opinion on a policy. Uh, yeah, is this guy lived in Kankakee County? Uh, you know that song, Good Morning America, how are you? Don't you know me? I'm a native. So they, uh, there's a line about Kankakee in there. It's about taking a train from Chicago to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm. it is. And they go through Kankakee. Uh, and also, I want to mention this, since we're all one of, both of two of us on 107.5, Jen, producer Jen is from Kankakee, Kankakee, yeah. Illinois. She she always calls in the morning. I did that this morning, and she's like, how's the weather? I'm like, it's cold. <laughs> it was cold this morning, but it's it's warm to it right now. But, uh, Poor Jen. Yeah. All right, here's a good shot. Chuck Vol Steak actually brings something relevant to the conversation. Oh, hey, look, I like this guy. I, I like this cat. I like the fact Man. he comes back for more. Uh, Chuck Norris doesn't own a stove or microwave because of revenge is a dish best served cold. Yeah, I like Vol I like Steak. Stick around, man. I like this guy. I'm, I'm okay with him being around here. He ain't caused any problems. He ain't caused any problems that our dudes don't cause. <laughs> Come on. Quantrell asked, can we vote to disband the Board of Trustees at University of South Carolina today as well? I'm telling you, there's nine spots open. Depending on where you live in the state, and I'm going to start talking about this a little bit, I think you're going to have some options with that soon. Um, now, it's not a public vote, I don't think. I think it's you kind of tell your representative who to pick or judicial. I don't know. I don't know exactly how it works. But there's I, I, I've gotten some information. There's going to be a lot, some open seats. And so um, we'll, we'll have a little voter's guide with that. How about that? I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you who I like. I can't vote. I'm not in South Carolina, so I'm not actually telling you who I voted for. We're <laughs> out of time in our number one. 30% off all, all, that includes Under Armour, all short sleeve t shirts right now. The Gamecock Tradition. Online, in store. When you put it in, if you order it online and it goes in your cart, it'll automatically take the discount uh, once it gets into your cart. 30% off. 30% off. 30% off. 30% off. Kind of warm outside. Maybe if you want to put a short sleeve t-shirt on, clean them out. At Gamecock Traditions, our proud partners in Lexington, they'll deliver it to your doorstep. National anthem. Mike Morgan up next on Inside the Gamecocks the Show. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce of any goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate. We can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston. 
Powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. But because you've become my home. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down. in the pocket, launches one deep down the field, wide open at the 15, 10, 5, touchdown, touchdown Tampa Bay. It's time for Power Hour with Mike Morgan on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Looking deep downfield, rolling out, throws it up in the air, and it is caught, touchdown, Troy Williamson, what a catch. Saturday evening here in bluegrass country, ahead to Buckman, oh, slam, city for Ronaldo, Buckman, the 20, 10, Five touchdown. Frederick, Frederick, 
With one, pull up three, good if it goes, he got it, he got it, he got it, Carolina wins. Havens gets it high and deep to right, we'll see you at Hoover. Welcome to the Power Hour with Mike Morgan. Welcome to the Power Hour with Mike Morgan. Welcome to the Power Hour with Mike Morgan. Twelve oh five. It is the Power Hour. It's Election Day. Welcome to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, always from the Signorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of the Gamecocks. JC, unfortunately, has had to dip out for the rest of the program. He's got a family situation that he needs to deal with. Everybody's okay. He asked us to tell you that, as a matter of fact. Everybody's okay, but he's got a family situation to deal with. So he'll be back to – well, no, he won't. He'll be back on Thursday. I forgot, Phil. He 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 sleeps in on Wednesdays now. So Mad Dog and I will handle it tomorrow with Matt Anderson and more here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. However, if the, if there's ever a day where you've got a dip, it, do it on a day when the Golden Tones is set to arrive. Mike Morgan here for the next couple of hours on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, brother. We are strong and we are mighty. When one man falls, the rest of us pick up the slack. That is the beauty of the ITG show on the Chief Sports Network. And so I am uh, very confident uh, that we will prevail. And uh, much like the wolf in Pulp Fiction, I'm here to solve problems. Yes. Yeah, well, you're, you're, you're quite, the, uh, quite the, the, the problem solver. So we, uh... If I'm Kurt, it's because time is of the essence. Okay, Lash <laughs> yes. LaRue? <laughs> the great thing about this show is that when I give movie references, I know I'm not going to hit every one of you. But at least between the two of you and JC, at least one of you gets every one of my references. Not to mention the massive audience that we've compiled here on this program, whether it's chat row or listening on iTunes, Spotify, or watching on YouTube and Facebook. Somebody out there gets it, and that's all. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to bat a 1,000 on this. You know, it's, it's like baseball. It's like if you, can, if you can be a 300 hitter, well, it's like MLB. If you can be a 300 hitter, you're, yep. you're making a lot of money. You're doing well. You're helping your team win. You're helping the ball club, and the good Lord willing, things will, things will work out. Well, they are working out, uh, Mike, and we've got a lot to get to today. You'll reveal the winner Right. You'll, yes. You, okay. I've, I've got one. Tab got five. Uh, it. Nobody. <laughs> can I just say something funny on that? I, I know this is not what we're going to start the segment with, or we're not supposed oh, to. I'm just here to derail the format. Um, the uh, I, I threw two questions out there, and uh, and I I had what I call two island picks, right? Where I was the only one out of the the four of us that had them. Uh, and I knew I'd be alone on that. I picked Clemson based on nothing more than I don't think Notre Dame is great and that it was a it's an emotional game. College football is an emotional game. Same reason I picked Oklahoma State, same reason why I picked a couple other upsets. Not because they were had the huge talent advantage or anything. Uh the overwhelming majority of the listeners did pick Notre Dame. Now there were so there were a few that picked Clemson, you know, grinded the teeth, but hey, a free fiesta pack from Salsaritas, that that'll trump whatever hatred you have or animosity you have for the in-state rival. 
We're talking like $55 worth of really good food from Suki and Salsaritas. But the one that tripped up the most, and I think this tripped up more than any other pick, I graded dozens of these things today, and I think only two people got it right. And that was the over-under on Harbor receiving yards at 49 and a half. And almost everybody went over. Like, almost everybody. And he didn't have a catch. So that was that was an easy uh, separator. But it, it came down to the tiebreaker, and I'll tell you who the winner is uh, later on. Yeah, I, I, I was... I was m- more. You were not good. Sure. I was two you and three. Good. I was two you, and three. Uh, well, technically, you were one, one, three, and one. So we all pushed on the Ole Miss game. Oh, Ole Miss. Yeah. yeah we all we all pushed on Ole Miss. I hate it too because, yeah. Yeah, especially if you right. picked Ole Miss, you feel like, hey, I got it right. I picked the winning team. They won by a field goal, but technically, that's a push. That's a push. Yep. Yep. So, and nobody went, um, well, I went uh, 4-0-1. So, it's my third undefeated week of the year. Nobody, just just throwing that out there as, you know, a little conversation piece. Well, I had you at 3-1-1. What did I screw up there, Mike? What do you got? Uh-oh. I don't know. Oh, boy. I don't know. I had, I had you Alabama. You, right? Oh, you had no, Bama? No, I had oh, Alabama. Absolutely. Uh-huh. You don't remember the whole spiel I gave? Do I go with my hubris? Because it's before the season started. Roll the yeah, tape. We've, with we've got hubris. Maybe that was just because you're. I don't know. Yeah, you you lost me in my soliloquy so. to get to the. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took a circuitous path to get to my pick. So at the beginning of the year, I said LSU would win the West, and then as we were doing our picks, I said, "Do I go with? Oh, I gotta I gotta say LSU just because I want to be right." Or do I go with what the knowledge I have now, which is LSU has no defense, and I picked Alabama. So I was 4-0-1. Right, yeah. um, you and, and I flip-flopped uh, on that because I picked Alabama before the season to win the national championship. And then, and then you then went I LSU. Picked, yeah, under, I, I yeah. should have known better to do that to Nick. You know, Nick's my guy. I shouldn't have done that to him. Yeah, well. That was ridiculous. By the way, I mean, the hit on Jaden Daniels, whew, yeah. We'll talk about that on the Love Chevy drive around the SEC, but that um, I, I don't think LSU was coming back and winning that game anyway. Um, well, that Alabama huh? put a, that put the squash on it if they. Well, were yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely. Yeah. Although LSU has a backup quarterback that would start for about a hundred D one programs out there, but he's not Jaden Daniels, who, for my money, has played as good a football as any quarterback in college this year. Mm-hmm. He just much like you know Bryce Young last year. You lose a couple of games and you're just you're almost a forgotten guy. Uh, but it's not his fault he didn't have a defense, right? It's, 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 I mean, he that kid has done everything you could possibly ask him. So. Much like Spencer Rattler. Um, yeah, but the, the, the Spencer would love to have LSU's weapons. Yeah, Carolina well, does not at least have all, the at least offensive, offensive line. line. Yeah, no, I mm-hmm. get, but you know, I mean, if you had a healthy Juice Wells. Yeah, you've, uh, got, you know, you've got the weapons in. Yeah, but LSU has got multiple NFL wide receivers to go along with a veteran offensive line to go along with Jaden Daniels. Spencer doesn't have that. Mike, let's uh, let's start with hoops, um, and let's start with the team that you used to call. Uh, Derek called it last night, though. He did a wonderful job with your friend Casey Manning, the judge. The judge. Um, one and zero, oh, uh, and we'll get to the women here in just a little bit because they they embarrassed Notre Dame in France and uh, Malaysia. Full Wiley 
got the attention of the whole country, including Magic Johnson yesterday with her wraparound, whatever you call that move. Um, That's as pretty the, a move as I've seen in the women's basketball game ever. like ever. I'm not, I'm I've not never giving her there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I like, 100% what the hell was agree. that? We were on yeah. the air, and, and it, it, you know, Mike, the classic radio moment where the, 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 for those that listen, you know, when the, when the doofus is like, oh, oh, you should have seen that. You know, I did that yesterday, and I was like, I'm sure that's somebody who's yeah, – Please say you didn't go, time. are you kidding me? Yeah, there should be, go, like, a, a, a mandatory <laughs> – like, you got you to gotta put a, a $10 bill in the swear jar. If you're a play-by-play guy and you're still using that term over every play that's, like, beyond routine, come up with some new material, please. I see yeah. it. I mean, I see it. <laughs> National guys, every – it's just a it's a reflex rea- reflex reaction where it's like okay, what did the other hundred people that I saw say when they did? Are you kidding me? And that's what just what they've done. Look, we all have our uh, idiosyncrasies and different terms we fall in love with, but that one has got to go. Just yeah. just put it, just bury it. There's so many other things you can say, and if I say "Are you kidding me?" ten times a game. Then am I? Is is it really a fascinating play? Like, how am I supposed to know if you're crying wolf or not? <laughs> Seriously, like that's the problem with over the top play by play. If all you're doing is just over embellishing every play, then I gotta call BS on some of what you're actually calling. Because there's not play. that many plays in a, in a given game in any sport that are truly exceptional. There's just not. Well, we're not kidding on any of them. No, it actually happened. You know what I mean? Now, yes. if it, and by if the it, way. I'll take that play over a six-seven stork doing a bubblegum dunk any day. The one by if Full Wiley yesterday. What's that? The play by Full Wiley in the Carolina game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll oh, take yeah. her. I'll take that move. Phenomenal. Everything about it over some six-six player uh, who just like goes off one foot and barely scrapes the rim and oh. gets it over. That's not impressive. If you're six foot six, regardless of gender, you should be able to dunk a basketball, dude. That was the play. I mean, that was the best play I've ever seen in women's basketball. I mean, it was, it was, it was really phenomenal. And, and it, she's a it, freshman. She is a freshman. Yep. Wow. Uh, and Dawn called her when she signed her. She said she's a generational talent, and you just have to see when you see her play. Well, now they've all seen her play, and um, we'll see if she can, if she can mimic that when she's back on American soil. I've got a feeling that she, she can. Uh, the men for South Carolina win last night in dominating fashion, Mike. And I, I know that uh, I you had texted me, and, and it took my wife's out of town, so it took me a little while to get back to you. I responded with a book of things, yeah. um, but uh, so I apologize for that. No, that was good. I like the thoroughness. But, Very good. But uh, I was watching this team play last night. I've watched ninety plus percent of every Carolina basketball game for over thirty years, or listened to it when you were calling. I, I watch and listen at the same time. Um, and, um, and going back the last few years, this includes the final four team, which was just a blast to watch play towards the end of the year, just because of how well they played the game of basketball. You're a big basketball guy, Mike, you understand it. Watching that team play in that game last night, the word attack kept coming. They just attack, they attack, they attack, they attack. And you can attack and look like crap like they did last year when you can't shoot and when you can't pass. That means you turn it over a lot, and then you miss a lot of shots, and you get beat. It, but when you can pass and move the basketball, and you can hit shots, you can play that attack mode, positionless type style of game, like Alabama plays over in Tuscaloosa. 
This is one game in year two against USC Upstate. I'm not overreacting. I'm simply stating the observation that I have with my eyes watching them play the game of basketball. It was the most fun I've watched, the, the most fun brand of basketball I have seen a South Carolina team play in a long, I mean long time. Um, and I don't know how much of the game you saw, Mike, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Now, that style can get you beat if you can't hit shots, but last night they hit them. By the way, um, for Jay Diz, if, if you don't think the AD cares about college basketball, then you don't know anything about Ray Tanner. So I don't he, he can't make fans come to the game. Um, this, this is the same silliness we heard a year ago. It, this goes on at every SEC school in November. Fans are all dialed into football. They don't show up for bat unless you're Kentucky. Like, I'll be in Kentucky the day after Thanksgiving to call a game against Marshall, and they'll have 18,000, 20,000 fans there. That's Kentucky. Everywhere else, Tennessee, Bama, you name me a school, Jay Diz, in November, and I'll tell you a school that when they play a mid-major in November during the heart of football season, uh, a crowd that it is a few thousand are, are all of their athletic directors. They don't care about basketball either. That's just nonsense. Um, sorry, and quick aside. And I'm, just to clarify, you're stating that because you've been in these arenas and called the games. Or... Yeah, only for about 20 years. Oh, okay. Other to... than that, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, so moving right along. And, I, but I, this team this – team, uh, Nobody wanted to watch them play anyways. They're eleven to twenty-one last year, and so we weren't. Well, look, I wasn't expecting a big crowd. Of course, of course. And as I've said many times, uh, and I'll say this again, and I went through this whole thing last week, and 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 JDs, I'm not picking on you. Maybe maybe you didn't catch this, but I'll I'll reiterate it. When when Carolina is just competitive in the SEC and competing for an NCAA tournament, in other words, they're a bubble team because more often than not, that's what they are uh, when they're good, right? They're not. They're not quenching a number one seed in February. They're trying to get their way into the NCAA tournament. And more often than not, when they're that kind of team, and it's SEC play when football season is over, that arena is one of the most uh, heavily populated, top 20 nationally in attendance, and you talk to other announcers out there that have been one of the loudest arenas in college basketball. When you have that, when you have that. Is that because all of a sudden the AD does care about basketball? I mean, just, just did Eric Hyman care about basketball when they sucked and you couldn't get anybody to watch Darren Horn's teams play in November, December, January, February? Like that's just so ridiculous. Um, the the team itself. Well, what I can fans here. Uh, Ray cared today. He, went, he he drove around campus, scooped him up, brought him right in. Yeah, I mean, it's just <laughs> it's 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 unreal. Like <laughs> some, it's just the same broken record. All the time, and you just you're you're frustrated about something. You don't know what to blame, so you just go to the same, the same thing. Like this has been going on at Gamecock basketball and SEC basketball for decades, decades. And I would put the Gamecock fan base up against almost anybody in this league. Again, when it's a a a marginally good team, they show up. They show that arena is only too big when the team is bad. When the team is good, 18,000 is not that big of a problem. They show up, and they're loud, and they're engaged. So don't tell me that the fan base is is not good, and don't tell me the AD doesn't care. Where'd you get that from? Like, who who told you the AD doesn't care? We used to camp out for student tickets at USC. That was a, Yeah, that was probably when Eddie Fogler was 
a number one seed and a number two and winning in the SEC, excuse me, number two seed and number three seed. And then what happened is that Eddie couldn't capitalize. And all of a sudden, guess what? They stopped coming to the Carolina Coliseum. Look, I was there for all of this. So I, 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 don't, I don't need to give you secondhand stuff. I, I was there. Uh, they didn't show up. And, and Mike McGee, with all due respect to Mike McGee, didn't know if a basketball had laces, seams, or was stuffed. You know, I mean, he, he just he did what and, – and Eddie Fogler and Mike McGee were like oil and water. Those two guys hated one another by the end. Hated it was I was I saw things I couldn't believe. I mean, it was toxic, really, really toxic. And he couldn't wait to fire uh, McGee. Couldn't wait to fire Eddie. That's a whole other story. You want to talk about this team? Okay. Um, well, I, I hold on before you do though. I, I we've talked about some of the players um, uh, because before, and we got to see them in a Carolina uniform last night for the first time, Mike, but these are guys who some of these guys you you've called their games or at least watched them play games for their, their previous teams. Miles Studi, for instance, who was in the starting lineup last night. Um, you had BJ Mack in there from, 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 uh, Wofford. Um, I'm a big fan. I had him when, when Wofford, uh, was in the, I did the Southern conference championship game in Asheville on ESPN. When Mack was like a, yeah, something like that. I remember I that. Right before- Did you texted me about places to eat or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it was right before that. COVID. Um, so, That's exactly uh, when it was. Yeah, yeah. Because I went from Knoxville to Asheville to Nashville in one yeah. week. To Tennessee game, SoCon, SEC uh, tournament, which I was about to call before, and, and 37 minutes before tip-off, they pulled the plug. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, your, your point is, and I talked to Lamont about this at the end of last year, and I saw him again at SEC Media Days a couple weeks ago. They wanted to get older. They had 122 combined starts. Now they have, I think it's, the number's 480 on their roster. Wow. Uh, that's, a, that's, you know, the, last year's team had no ch- – how last year's team didn't finish in last, I'll never know. It was the least talented team in the league, but they managed to beat some people they really had no business beating. Like uh, so, and Rupp? That would be one, yes. That would <laughs> yeah. definitely be well, one of them. They, they had three overtime losses last year. One of those was a two-point loss to Alabama. That's right. I did that game. Mm-hmm. That's the infamous oh, Brandon yeah. Miller. Yeah, I did yep. that game. That's yeah. the game where I had to navigate uh, calling a game and then talking about a gun charge with a player that's lighting it up on national TV and everybody is tuning in. We had over, I think it was 1.5 million people watch that game. And... <laughs> A lot of them were just watching it to see how we were going to handle the Brandon Miller story. Right. I can't tell you how many conference calls I had to be on before calling that game. Um, anyway, uh, we're all over the map, and I love it. So th- this team, at bare minimum, will be a more skilled team, which is what, if you go back to Lamont Paris at Wisconsin, how did Wisconsin go to back-to-back Final Fours? How did Wisconsin beat a 38-0 and Kentucky team that was supposed to be unbeatable in the Final Four? How did Wisconsin continually go to the NCAA tournament? Were they the most talented team in the Big Ten? Never. They, were, they played some of the most disciplined. I know this, these are not fun terms um, for fans, but they, they were skilled. They played smart. They passed the ball well. They shot the ball well. 
Last year's team wasn't equipped to do that. This year's team is more equipped. So when you see when you see the projections and you say, well, they're pick last, well, because from a talent standpoint, there's not a lot to hang your hat on in terms of big names that the people that vote on these things would even know. Um, but I think they'll be better than last year. I really do. Uh, I think they'll be more enjoyable to watch, and I think you'll start to see the upward progression of what Lamont Paris is trying to build here. No one was going to win last year. Uh, it's going to be difficult to win games in a loaded SEC, and I mean loaded SEC this year, that'll likely get at least eight teams in the field. Uh, but if, if you're asking me, will they finish above where they're projected? I'll take that bet, yes. Yeah, I, I – um... Again, it, it made a lot of sense to me when I was watching them play, and I know we got to hit a timeout, Phil, so buy me two minutes and then we'll do it. But um, it made a lot of sense when I was watching last night, you know, trying to stay out of the uh, the uh, message board, Twitter opinions and shock jocks and things like that. Actually, you know, talking basketball, Mike, real, you know, mm-hmm. real, real stuff here that people hopefully want. We'll hear. actually do that on um, this show. Yeah, and the analysis um, will go ab- above like, and beyond. You got to hit more free throws. We're going to yeah, do no. a little bit more than that. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I'm, you know, trying to connect the dots here. And last year, I continued to say, I, I'm not, ju- I just don't know who they like. What, what are they? I, I didn't, because we had never seen that brand of basketball here. It was very different from Frank, except for defense. That's very similar in how Lamont plays defense. It's very similar to what Frank did, um, if not the exact same thing. Quite frankly. But um, but offensively, I was confused as to who they were and what they were trying to do. Some coaches uh, in any sport come in, coach to the talent that they have. Some coaches come in, and this is our system, and we're just going to have to grow through the pains. And it seems like that's what Lamont um, was bringing to the table last year, Mike, because they would run up and down the floor, and it just looked really sloppy, you know. And and you just it, what what's going on here? Why are we who what what? Last night they're attacking. Just like last year, but but it looks so different because of ball movement, and because they it consistently, except for when Josh Gray is out there, but he's the best rebounder. Maybe might be the best rebounder in the league. When when he he's, I mean he's 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 a double he's digit a game rebound guy, you know. So, but my point is, how about one of the better rebounders in the league? I'll I'll, I'll go with okay. you on that. We might we my, might have a my, different opinion on Gray overall, but that's okay. My point is. They generally have four and five guys that he's comfortable with on the floor. Right. And shoot it from basically anywhere. Studi and Mac, although they're three and four guys, Studi fires 80% of his shots from outside the, the arc. So if you're pushing the ball up the floor and you're attacking and you can move the basketball and you can hit shots, that style works. And last year it didn't work because they didn't have enough guys who could hit shots. And quite frankly, they really didn't have a couple of point guards that they really trusted. So ball movement, everything was just sloppy. Just turned yeah. it over the whole game. Yeah, I mean, they really haven't had. I mean, if you go back to the last couple of Frank's teams, too, like they, there, there's always been glaring deficiencies. I was watching because I've got Georgia Wake Forest on Friday night, and I, so I was scouting and I was watching Oregon uh, play Georgia last night. And who's on Oregon? Jermaine Cousnard. Yeah. Like the guy you see in our highlight package at the beginning hitting that game-winning three. And Kusnard is essentially the same player. Like he, he never became a better shooter. He became a worse shooter. He's a great downhill guy, physical guard. Um, I'm not saying, you know, you can't win games with him. You can. 
but like I, I look at him and I and I look at like for whatever reason he went from freshman to sophomore year he regressed he couldn't hit a shot and so he became very easy easy to guard scouting's pretty good in this league when you can't shoot they just play you to drive and when you all you do is drive right then they play you to drive right and they force you to go to your left like it's basketball 101 and um Carolina hasn't had a great shooting team in a while and and honestly that's how I think they have to win games like the way yeah and and the way kentucky bama arkansas tennessee auburn maybe florida with their new coach we'll see the way these programs recruit you're not going to have the most athletic team in the league at carolina you didn't have it under frank you didn't have it under dave um you really mostly didn't have it under Eddie, but that's a different SEC back then anyway. This is a much deeper, better league. So how do you win games? How do you really move up the charts, which is what everybody listening right now wants to see? You need to shoot the ball better. You need to be a more skilled team. Everybody wants to make shots, obviously, but some teams can win games without shooting the ball well. Some teams, because they'll out-rebound you, they'll, they'll get to the free-throw line more, they're more athletic, and so they'll slash, they'll draw fouls. Uh, They'll make life murder for you defensively because they're long and they're bouncy. Carolina has to win games with a different formula because you're just not you're not bringing in McDonald's All-Americans left and right. You had one in Gigi Jackson who was clearly raw as heck, and it and and it showed up on 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 game day. Um, But I think Lamont is going to get more and more kids that know how to shoot, like a Miles Studi, perhaps like a Talon Cooper. Uh, Michi needs to play obviously very well this year. They they need that. They need like three guards that can all handle, pass, and shoot the ball well. And you, if you have that, even in a, in a loaded league like the SEC, you can win a lot of games despite the fact that you're not the most athletic, you're not going to have the most draft picks. That's not going to happen in Columbia anytime soon. It never has. But you can still there, – there's other ways to get to that destination. Well, they're one and zero, and Friday night is going to be an interesting night in the SEC. A and M is at Ohio State, Wake Forest is at Georgia, Florida is at Virginia, Tennessee's at Wisconsin, Memphis is at Missouri, and South Carolina will take on Virginia Tech in Charlotte. Uh, so a little bit of a barometer type night early in the early, early, early in the year for uh, the SEC and in men's basketball. Looking forward to. Um, it could be a really, really fun night on the hardwood. Uh, speaking of basketball, did you know that Billy G, yes, that Billy G, Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, do you know that Bill Goss played basketball for the Gamecocks in the 70s? Very well. Sure I know, I know, oh, I know very well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to the other 9,999 <laughs> folks that are tuned into our program right I now. I think we're over 11 today, Jamie. I've got a good feeling. <laughs> Check the numbers. I think we're, I think we're flirting with 12,000 today. 12,000. Just well, a hunch. We're inviting all 12,000 of you, although all of you won't be able to get in, to the Palmetto Cocktail pregame party presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue on Friday, November the 24th, beginning at 7 o'clock at the Rockbridge Club in Forest Acres. Barbecue, heavy hors d'oeuvres. I'm just kidding. It's hors d'oeuvres. I know. I know. I've just seen four Christmases. And uh, you get a couple of drink tickets as well. There will be a cash bar. Uh, it's a great band out of Columbia. Too much Sylvia. They'll be there. And it's going to be quite the celebration the night before the Garnet and Black take on the orange and purple from the upstate. 
Again, that's Friday, November the 24th. We've made this incredibly easy. We know that all of you have downloaded the Chief Sports app. Pull it up. There it is, right smack in the middle. It says party. Just click the party button. Buy your tickets today. It will sell out. And we look forward to being there. The Palmetto Cocktail pregame party presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. All right, uh, speaking of that game, we did have Can a question Can I say earlier. something nice real quick sure, to Jay Diz? Because I, I, I jumped on him a little bit just because every now and then somebody throws something out there, not exactly accurate, or in this case completely inaccurate. What he just said is absolutely true. Team looks like they have better ball movement and better shooters should be a lot more fun this year. Jay Diz, I can I concur with that assessment. That is well, spot on. I, yeah, I mean, I hate to pat myself on the back. I've been saying that for an hour and a half. I know, <laughs> Jamie, but we hold you to a high standard. I don't know, Jay Diz. No, I know. I'm not. I'm not Jay Diz came off the top rope and somehow blamed. Uh, 30 years of basketball mediocrity on Ray Tanner. <laughs> so we had, we, had to, we had to correct him on that. We, we, we had a conversation about Chuck Norris in the last hour. He's, he's Chuck Norris and Coach Tanner. It's, it's, it's unreal. You know, it, it, Let me tell you something. Ray Tanner knows more about the game of basketball than the last few athletic directors combined, with all due respect. With all due respect, he grew up in North Carolina. He's a huge basketball guy, huge fan. Nobody wants to see this thing turn around more than he does. He did everything he could to make it work with Frank. It, it didn't work with Frank except for one year. But one tournament in 10 years, there's no other Power 5 school in the country that you don't fire that coach in that situation. None. So I get it. Like Some of you are still a little miffed about that. And you know you heard things, well, he didn't put up billboards. Like... Billboards don't get people into the arena, folks. Winning. Winning gets people into the arena. Nobody and that's what Lamont Paris is here to do. Winning. Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, Mike, uh, we've got to hit a quick timeout. We will do that. We are powered by our friends M- Michelle Wilkins and her staff, team, and family at Electric Bikes of Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Down here in the south. We don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome to Palm Casual Patio Furniture. Because we are the factory, Palm Casual has the ability to offer the highest quality outdoor furniture paired with world-class service. Since 1979, our factory showrooms have done our best to make the buying process as easy as possible for our customers. Our understanding of the many factors that go into your decision has helped us create our 30-day trial period that increases the level of comfort our customers feel during the shopping experience. Visit us in Somerville and online at palmcasual.com. Gamecock owned and operated. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecock's great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend, a career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, 
Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing, and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup's Swing Shop. Play ball. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned and operated. Thirty-eight. Welcome back. I want to throw a quick curveball at you here, uh, Magic Mike. How about that? You like that? Oh, not, I do not, like that. Not that Magic Mike. Uh, we um, I run a spot here for one of my one of my dear friends, Michael Campbell, who you called all of his games at South Carolina. Uh, Would have been the super- all-time hits leader if if he didn't get hit by a pitch as last year. I know. I know. He. Uh, and that's kind of where I was going with that. For, for those that are looking for, you know, if you got a baseball or softball player in your family looking for just a killer Christmas gift, he, he's unbelievable what he does. And he, and he does just like Meredith Taylor does her golf lessons. He'll do it virtually. So you can just go in the Chief Sports app or you can Google it, Soup's Swing Shop, and you just send, you send in your, your son, your daughter swinging. He'll, he'll send back the analysis. It's very affordable. Um, and if you're going to do that, do it with a great Gamecock. And that's why I'm kind of bringing Mike into this because I, I often say this, that era of Gamecock baseball produced some of the greatest hitters I've ever seen, period, the end in the game of baseball. Um, you, you know, you, we can rattle them all off, you know, Drew and Tripp and Pierce and, and Smoke and, and all these guys. We always remember the dudes and talk about the dudes that got to the big leagues Campbell didn't get to the big leagues, um, but watching him hit was a thing of beauty because he did have some pop. But Mike, you knew dang well when he stepped to the plate defensively. Like you, if if the shift was really kind of a thing back then, you weren't shifting on him because he used foul line to foul line, gap to gap, and he could literally do anything with batters. I just thought it was interesting. You called all of his games, and we always talk mm-hmm. about all these great hitters. And for whatever reason, the guy who's second all-time in hits at Carolina sometimes gets lost in it. He's one of the best hitters I've ever seen and one of the smartest, too. Never struck out. 13 strikeouts in his whole final year at Carolina. That's crazy. 13. Uh, the, the, late, the late Tommy Moody used to call him Soup. I know he's one of his favorite players as well. I've actually uh, kept in touch uh, – 
with Michael because he, um, correct me if I'm wrong, he lives in the Kentucky uh, area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife's family lives there, so I'm there quite a bit. And so we've talked about getting together and meeting up. We just haven't been able to get the the dates going. But, yeah, he, should, he would have broken Mac White's all-time hits uh, record if he didn't get hit by pitch. I can't remember the game it was. But he was one of the best pure hitters. Somebody mentioned in chat row, Brian Busher. Yeah, Brian oh, Busher yeah. certainly belongs in that conversation. Um, I didn't see anybody better than Steve Pierce. I'll tell you right now, if he played three years, he'd own every record uh, imaginable. But um, sometimes people forget about him, even though he won a World Series MVP with the Red Sox. Uh, but yeah, there, there's some there's some guys. The, the like, I always say the 20 and 2010, 2011 teams were amazing and deserve so much credit for everything. But those teams from 2000 on set it up. That that that's when the program really got going. So you you can't write the story of Gamecock baseball. And and the the magical run of the two thousands without talking about names like Kip Balknight and Drew Meyer, uh, Steve Pierce, Brian Busher, James Darnell, another forgotten guy. Like the, you 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 gotta you gotta remember these guys. Blake Taylor certainly belongs in that conversation. They're all they're all a huge part that kind of set up the culture for the rest of those guys. Did you know Tr- Darnell played the trumpet? I did not. I knew, I knew he was an incredible athlete. But I did not know he played the trumpet. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, we're he all did. over the – could I just answer one? Craig asked a really good question in, in chat row. Besides Rupp, what's your favorite SEC venue to call a game? You're not going to believe this. And 10 years ago, it would have been one of the worst places to call a game in, in America. Auburn. Oh, I can imagine. Sold out say. every game. Fans, the students are right behind us. They're right on top of you. Mm-hmm. And if you want a great – home environment for college basketball you have to have a great student section and the student section needs to be close to the floor can't just be tucked away in the corner um auburn has that auburn has that so i mean and arkansas arkansas now that arkansas yeah yeah, that place gets so freaking loud so freaking and that by the way that arena is built exactly the way south carolina's is in fact Mm -hmm. south carolina's was built after the same architect yeah. Um, when you go in there, you're like, "Am I at the Colonial Life Arena?" Um, except there's a big pig here instead of a Gamecock. Yeah, Arkansas would be right up there as well. I uh, I have to disagree with um, with Zach in here. Smoke really wasn't that good, and a lot of those home runs were cheap against midweek opponents. Um, Nobody's saying that. Oh, I am. I am. Yeah, I know your sarcasm too well. I, I know your sarcasm too well. I am. I, I do anything in my – Zach, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. That's my best friend. So every chance I get, I'm like, God, dude, I cannot believe, like, what this team could have been if Pierce would have just been here one more year. One more year, yeah. Oh, I, I just yeah. – I'm like – I mean, I'll tell him all the time, I'm like, dude, I'm about to, Christian Walker is probably the best first baseman ever at Carolina, Carolina, man. The, the, uh-huh. uh, well, I, I know people have a. It's definitely a little recency bias. The um, but you the, should see. If the, you think he can hit a baseball? Watch him hit a freaking golf ball. The thing he's like Happy Gilmore. You don't ever. I don't know where the ball. It just ends up somewhere four hundred yards down the. Fairway. Yeah, another planet. It's ridiculous. The one that kills me, and I know we got to get into some football talk. I know, but since we're no. kind of AD, ADD, I'm I'm all for it. Um, the one that kills me is the Lonnie Chisholm. 
Lonnie Chisholm, who later became a major league hitter, yeah. um, was a two-way stud that Jim Toman recruited and was on the 2007 team with Haven Smoke Darnell that uh, we wound up losing in the Game 3 of the Super Regional in Chapel Hill to a team that had Ackley, and that was, that was North Carolina. That's one of their best teams ever. Um, Should have um, mistakes cost the game. Yeah, yeah, without calling out names. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, the, I can't the if you added Chisholm Hall to that team, that's a national championship team. And the way it all went down, I mean, I'll never forget this. Never forget this. I weird Mondays we would record. Uh, gather gather up the kids, Phil. Get oh. get get the campfire warm. Get the hey, campfire warm. You don't have you don't have to uh, you don't have to do a, a one of those ridiculous photos of me, but. Uh, <laughs> But I, when Mike's done, I, I've got a, I've got the story about when after Lonnie got kicked off when he came to my house looking for his fishing pole. I, yeah. I can't top that because I didn't know Lonnie oh. to that level. We weren't we weren't fishing together. But yeah. no, so it's story there. time. Let's gather around the campfire with Uncle Mike. <laughs> it's our voice man, Gary David. Gary. <laughs> uh, So there's a story behind that too. We use that on, on JC and Morgan. Gary David, aka Gary Barboza, still does the morning show on WVOC in Columbia. He was the voice guy for 1400, uh, where I first started in Columbia, where we did the, the morning show and then the cheap seats. Uncle Mike. And Gary was he still, he's got the best sports radio pipes, like for a liner guy. So he doesn't even do anything in sports radio, and I'll just email him. He's like, sure, baby, anything for you, Mikey. And he'll just record those. And uh, so that is Gary, and those of you in Columbia, you probably recognize that voice. Okay, so here's the story. So we just got back um, Sunday from a road trip. I can't remember where. Uh, Monday is when we would record the award-winning Ray Tanner TV show. Because every, every SEC baseball coach just about now has a TV show. And we would record it um, right by Sarge Fry Field in uh, the Roost. First base mm-hmm. side, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, third base side. Oh, you recorded it upstairs like in the We did it near area. the cafeteria, yeah. yeah, yeah so first yeah. base side. Um, and so we'd record it there. And it wasn't record. It was it wasn't live, so we'd record it and they'd run it, and you know, seventeen people would see it. But we're doing no, the show. Not true. It was at least I 30. know, I know. At least at least thirty. We're doing the show, and all of a sudden, uh, some a, a university representative runs in. Like we're, we had to stop recording, runs in, taps Ray on the shoulder, and like whispers in his ear. And I knew that wasn't a good sign. Mm-hmm. It's usually either something. Um, Bad has happened or somebody just died. And Ray immediately takes his mic off, walks outside. And next thing I know, he's just shaking his head and he is absolutely devastated. Um, it, it's all just compute. And so we did. I don't think we even finished recording the show. I think we had to do it another day. And then I remember later on, he had to have a press conference and he's breaking down, not just because he lost a great player, but because he knew that player that would be. A and sin Nick. that he'd have to live with the rest of his life. Nick, right? Nick as well. Nick Fuller. Nick Fuller, yeah, who was a, a good, very good pitcher. So he, um, 
he has to make a really difficult call. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of coaches would have found a way to keep that kind of talent on the roster. But here's the thing. He didn't just make a mistake. He stole from his teammates. He went yep. into the locker and stole the per diem. We'd all get the, the envelope with the per diem money. Yep. He went in there, went locker to locker, and stole it. And you know what it, the thing about it is? Like a lot of kids that we knew in college and to this day still do that and steal, he didn't need the money. No. It's not like he came from, you know. Neither the, neither did Fuller. Fuller no. Money. No. A lot of money. This, it was just a stupid thing to do. So – Ray did what I think he had to. He had to kick him off the team. I mean, how do you have? How do you get the trust and and of your players, support of your players, if you just stole their meal money? A lot of those kids didn't did need that well, meal money. And you know, you know, they went through the they went through the air vent. No, I didn't know that part. Through, I didn't know how they the, pulled off the caper. They went through the air vent, like where you would come down the right field line, like where the pickleball courts were. Mm-hmm. There was an air vent over there. That they that they got that because they remember there were some gloves that were stolen as well. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Robbie Grindstaff, the the statute of limitations is removed on this. We're sixteen years down the road. These stories can I guess surface now. Robbie Grindstaff watched Nick Fuller walk through the locker room with his glove, but it wasn't a team issued glove. Because I think back then we had Easton, if I remember correctly. I think they were Easton. And it was not a team-issued glove. Um, it, was, it was his it was his glove, one of, one of his. But he had written inside the glove, Mike, grandma, like in memory of his grandmother. And he said, you, that's my glove. And Fuller insisted that it was his, and Robbie basically put him up against the wall and looked <laughs> on the inside of his glove and said, "You wrote Grandma on the inside of your glove. <laughs> You're lucky. I don't, you know." Yeah, Robbie was a big dude too. Uh, he was not a yeah. He was Indiana strong, and um, and so that's when they started. That was kind of the lead of maybe this was an inside job, and that's when they started. Yeah. Uh, it's just crazy. Cray- uh, by the way, Mark, thank you so much for the for the kind words. I do appreciate that. Um, that was one of the toughest moments. And then, and then three days later, we're on a bus ride to like, I don't know, Alabama or something. And all these players are still like looking around and they're like stunned that you know, a kid that's a projected first round draft pick in Lonnie Chisholm Hall. Like this was. Oh, it was now, crazy. And and Lonnie, like when he went on to the big leagues, I mean I mean you, you got to know Lonnie. I knew Lonnie well. Um I really liked Lonnie. Now he was I'll say this. He was very like he, he is a good he made a horrible decision and a bad mistake. It is not indicative of who he is as a human. Lonnie Lonnie is a good guy. He got involved and I'm not gonna go down that road, but he got involved with some with a bad dude. And Fuller was the ringleader on that. Yeah, so he that's got unfortunate. That and he made a really horrible decision. He ended up going to the big leagues, and guess what? When he when they went to draft him, Coach Tanner got all those calls. What happened? Oh, sure. And, and Coach Tanner was very complimentary of him. He said, but I didn't have any choice. I had to, I had to kick him out. He handled it the way it should have been handled. Um, but then you don't try to blackball the kid either, and I know Ray didn't do that. Um, you know, no. At some point, you got to <laughs> – you got to move on from it, and he deserved a second chance. He got it, and I'm happy he for him. It. Anyway, that was well. That was you know, the '07 he, team would have been stacked as well. The '04 team was stacked. If Fullerton were, doesn't throw a kid's arm out, 
by using him, uh, the Windsor kid, far too much. That kid, his he should be suing the coaching staff that let him, uh, that had him keep going out there. Uh, that team could have won a national title in 2004. Uh, there's no team that was more talented than the 2004 team. Like, there's a lot of teams that could have hit, that could have popped. But so many of those players did pave the way for 2010-2011. Well, that, um, I, well, I'll end it with this. And, uh, Phil, with just we'll double the break here because we need to. Um, you should be able to spin that shorter one in if you can. Um, the to, to cap the, the Lonnie, he, I got a call that he was kicked off the team, and I was at home. And and it was one of my roommates who called me, our shortstop at the time. And and I and he said, "Hey, I just talked to Lonnie. He's going to call you. He's coming to get his fly rod." I said, "We've got his fly rod." He said, "Yeah, it's down in the basement." I said, "Okay, I'll go get it." Dang, that sucks to hear about Lonnie. So I went down to the basement to get his fly rod, and and I don't know how it happened, uh, but somebody had accidentally broken the tip off of the fly rod. It was about a $350 fly rod. And I thought, oh, no, this guy's having a terrible day, and I'm about to make it worse. And I was the only one home. So he knocked on the door, and I said, hey, man, how you doing? He said, um, I'm all right. He said, I, I guess uh, I'm just here to get my fishing rod. I said, yeah, I've got it, um, but it's broken. And he just shook his head and looked at me. He was like, probably should have figured that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, uh, I guess that's it, huh? He's like, yeah, that's it. So I guess I'll see you around. And he <laughs> his broken fly rod and walked out the door and was shaking his head, got to his truck and just looked at looked at the thing and realized he couldn't fix it. So he snapped it in half, threw it in the back of his truck, drove off. And I never saw him again until he got to the and that is the end of that story you know that was it he got it <laughs> was phil you have another off, angle he got he phil, got kicked off the no, team and, no unfortunately uh, phil actually yeah. picked the lock i think and uh I phil know. i know you you had it was a long road yeah, to recovery say, but yeah that's right. we're, we're glad that I you cleaned your act up, up. The, uh, <laughs> oh that was a that's tough right, day for right. gamecock baseball <laughs> yeah. and, uh, it all worked out for lonnie though i got a feeling with all the money he made in cleveland he was able to buy a new fly rod um, uh yeah or even a fly rod yeah, store. I mean, <laughs> yeah or, or like yes. an entire river to fly fish yes <laughs> i do know dave shaken dave aiken uh still the pa who replaced the late jim Forrest, who was a former co-host of mine in columbia on 1400 uh dave's super guy and as far as i know he's still doing the pa every time i'm there to do a gamecock game i still see him uh and yes bill gauze i do remember throwing rocks is. at your window Mr. at billy g's so I could do the pregame show outside hey, amongst go, homeless guys. people stroming the streets of Gervais. Celebrity sighting in the Nana Sports chat box today. Uh, Mr. Bill, uh, that's probably another time to read the Palmetto Cocktail pregame party presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, which we just did 15 minutes ago. But a reminder, you can uh, get your tickets right now, right now in the Chief Sports app. Click the holiday party button. All right, uh, let's step aside for a timeout. We'll get into some football, and um, Mike will tell us who won this last week's Fab Five as well. Hey, I'm about to see a legendary Gamecock football player on Sunday as well. I'll uh, tell you about that after the break. That sounds wonderful. We had a question earlier about our best guesstimate for the kickoff time for the Gamecocks and the Tigers. I'll give you mine. We'll find out next Monday officially. Um, but I'll give you my best guess on that after looking at the SEC schedule 
and where those games are played, ACC or SEC venue, and so much more. Uh, 803-766-6320. On Election Day, Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndoco will be right back. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Fossil, Caldwell, Banker, Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game packs. Hey Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta Packs to take tailgating. Tailgating. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online or you can even download the app. Salsaritas is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving williams Price Stadium and the South Stands, also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number, make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for sandwiches. Which is every time, 803-543-6297. 803-543-6297. 
Shop Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season. Major discounts on treadmills, rowers, elliptigos, and more. Proud partners of Carolina Rise, Inside the Gamecocks, and the Chief Sports Network. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com, 843-388-0999. Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season. boys are back on tour if you missed the announcement yesterday hootie and the blowfish is touring 2024 they'll be at colonial life arena two days before the kickoff of the 2024 football season when the gamecocks will host old dominion on saturday august the 31st august 29th darius mark sony jim and the guys will be there uh, you can get those tickets beginning Friday at 10 a.m. Free plug for, you know, some of our big fans. Actually, I know Mark's a big fan. Mark's a great guy. And um, Darius is great, too. They're all fans. They're just – they love Mike Morgan, they, and they love JC, and then they love That's Phil, it. and I'm just here just to spread the love. So, look forward to seeing those guys on tour next year. 102, welcome back. Final hour inside the Gamecocks, the show. It is Power Hour. We will get – we've got the Fab Five. Uh, coming up in the next segment, we've got our – well, we've got the Drive winner around. of the Fab Five. The, uh, the yes, contest the will be Thursday. Mike's about Mike's going to announce the winner of the Fab Five here shortly. And we've got the uh, drive around the SEC coming up in about 20 minutes. And in just a second, um, I'll, I'll give a quick synopsis of uh, what I think the kick time will be for the Gamecocks and the Tigers. For all of you asking, it is, of course, Thanksgiving weekend, which is, in my opinion, the most glorious weekend of the entire year, Thanksgiving all the way through that, through that Sunday, right ahead of – Labor Day weekend when you kick off college football season. With all of that said, I'm going to turn it over to my dear friend, the golden tones of the great Mike Morgan. And where am I going with this? I forgot. I have no idea. I thought you had something. To <laughs> oh, yeah, I do have something. Yes, yeah. No, I thought I thought maybe you were setting up a segment, but you were actually setting up uh, oh, one of our our water, fine right. sponsors. Yeah, we'll I'm do drive around. We'll do the drive around the SEC in the next segment, right? Yeah. I, I, uh, one of the things we'll talk about in the drive around the SEC is a controversial no targeting call. If you watch the LSU Alabama play, I want to get Dennis O'Keefe on our show. I used to do a segment rapping with the ref, and um, Dennis is a longtime official in, in Columbia, 
and he would take questions from our terrific audience here and give answers. Uh, but speaking of referees, Gary Patterson, he's an ACC ref. You'll see him every Saturday if you just kind of stumble upon or tune into an ACC game. But he's also my real estate agent from State Farm for about 20 years, does exceptional, exceptional work. And if I know there are a lot of other great agents out there representing other parts of the state. But if you're in the Midlands, Columbia, Lugolf, Lexington, Camden, Blythewood, uh, a great guy to uh, switch over to. They do it all the time. It's very easy. Uh, you can go ahead and just make one phone call, switch and save. Switch and save. Sounds like an offense. We're going to run the switch and save. Switch and save is what Gary Patterson can do for you. Um, some of you might not remember phone numbers, so just go to the website, and then you'll see the phone number, and then you can dial GaryPatterson.net. That's GaryPatterson.net. Again, he's been uh, my guy for over 20 years, been serving the Midlands of South Carolina for longer than that, and when he's not doing that, he's uh, making critical calls in critical games. Well, he might uh, be making a critical call in one of the games coming up on Thanksgiving weekend, Mike. Uh, the schedule for the SEC is this. We were asked a question about it. It's actually a neat topic to have. People always start asking this time of year, and I don't blame them. Uh, it is the biggest weekend, rivalry weekend. Of course, Carolina and Kentucky kicking off at 730 next Saturday night under the lights of williams Price Stadium. But Thanksgiving weekend in the league, we know that the Egg Bowl plays on Thanksgiving at Davis-Wade this year. And then Friday, Missouri and Arkansas plays. That Those are traditions now in the SEC. The rest of them, TBD, um, but not all games are being played in SEC stadiums. And Mike, you're the TV guy, so you well know how this works. Georgia is at Georgia Tech, and Kentucky is at Louisville this year. The other league games that are being played, uh, or I'm sorry, non-league games, uh, Florida State at Florida uh, in the SEC, and and then Clemson at South Carolina. You've got Bama at Auburn, and you've got Vandy at Tennessee. If I had to guess, if I had to guess, uh, Alabama potentially playing for a lot there, I'm sure CBS is going to pick that thing up, and I think Auburn will um, win their next couple of games. Um, this is just my guess. I think Alabama and Auburn will be at, on, at 3.30 on CBS. I think that A&M and LSU will draw a night kick. And I also think that Clemson and South Carolina will draw a night kick. I think Vanderbilt and Tennessee will kick early that day. What would your Those are the four that you've got to choose from there that the league has. Um, oh, um, yeah, that's it. Those are the only four that you've got to choose from because the other two are in ACC ballparks. Mike, what do you think? You think I'm on it? I don't know, honestly. I mean, on the surface, that game has noon noon kickoff written all over it. There, there's no national juice to see that game, right? No. Uh, so, I, it's. I, I think it's going to come down. You, to you that. could put it. You could put it on ESPN. You could put it on ESPN two at noon. Um, but the the night windows are so crowded for mm-hmm. good games that week, rivalry week. That I, I don't know if Carolina Clemson makes it to prime time. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's some. I'm not saying that you. I mean, you know better than I do. I'm just I'm going based on what the league windows are and the games that they'll have to choose from. Um, well, you're you're just talking about the SEC network. Th- this this game 
could easily be on ESPN, ESPN2. No, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about all all the SEC time slots that are available that day. So our, Auburn, Alabama is probably going to be CBS, right? That Alabama on the road at Auburn. Probably the last time CBS will ever have the Iron Bowl. Yeah, they yeah. have it every year. Why not make one more? Um, Vandy at Tennessee. That that's that's got early kick written all over it. I agree. Okay, A and M at LSU. I feel like that's a night nice kick. Yep. And then um, and then the only other one to choose for. Oh, well, you, I'm sorry, I missed one. Florida State, Florida. Florida State yeah. at Florida. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that could that's easily a, be night. Probably be a night kick. Yeah. Of course, I don't think they're going to kick Carolina and Clemson off at noon. I think they're going to want to try to get it into the afternoon and or the night window. Could be an afternoon kick on the SEC network. Could be a night kick on the. That SPN could be, yeah, oh, certainly. I mean, yeah. we're like we're just guessing here. There, mm-hmm. yes. there's no, there's no, no um, there's so many games that weekend. Um, it, it's it's very hard. It's not like projecting, you know. Carolina Vanderbilt or Carolina Kentucky, right? It's a different deal. But knowing what I know, I I know what games they find the most appealing. Mm-hmm. I know some of the calculus for that, and and this game does not have a lot of juice surrounding it, no. um, for for obvious reasons. So do you, do you, could they hold it, Mike? Because if Carolina wins the next two, they're not going to do a six day. Spot. They're not going to do a six day window for Carolina. Think, not not for a. Okay. Yeah. No, they'll they'll do a twelve day, and they'll just they'll they'll put it, you know they they as they're doing the whole Jenga board or whatever, um, you know there's certain games that are clearly a priority that they know are going to have the most eyeballs. Um, this game, and I have told anybody that would listen for people that have never lived in South Carolina, it's one of the most underrated rivalries in college football. There's no doubt about it. Part of the reason that is is because there's no pro teams. Uh, Gamecock fans have long, for a long time, especially if you're not in the upstate, felt a disconnect to the Carolina Panthers. Their Tar Heel colors. Um, <laughs> there's there's just there's a there's a bridge there that has never really been uh, secured. So I mean, for the most part, it's a college state that loves two college programs, very similar to Alabama. Um, but outside of the state of South Carolina, there's not a whole lot of eyeballs on this game. But that's most games. I mean, that's not a knock on Carolina Clemson. Like, most people outside of the state of Mississippi don't care about Ole Miss, Mississippi State. That's why they were smart yeah. to find a different TV window. Because now, all of a sudden, people are like, oh, yeah, I watch the Egg Bowl every year. Yeah. There, there was a big article years ago. I can't remember who wrote it. Somebody from the state newspaper. And it was like... Because there was talk about bringing the Gamecock game against Clemson back to, you know, Thanksgiving or Friday or something, and the guy wrote some story about like, well, you know, for me, the Thanksgiving holiday is all about uh, having time with family and like, bro, most people I know they spend time with their family at football games around that yeah. time. If they're huddled around a TV eating turkey and watching Carolina Clemson, like it, it was just kind of a silly. Um, Norman Rockwell painting type of take on the whole thing. If you want to actually get to a bigger brand, a bigger brand and, and a bigger stake, then you you get the hell out of Saturday. Uh, it's kind of too late for that now. But that back then, that's what I was thinking. Like, if you want this thing to be bigger, which bigger, bigger and better only helps both programs. 
and more exposure. Uh, it makes it easier to recruit, et cetera, et cetera. I thought that would have been a wise move. And you're seeing other rivalries play on Thursdays and Fridays now. It's not just Ole Miss-Mississippi State. But I think that's that window has passed. Yeah. I, I, so you just get I, lost I, in the shuffle. I mean, there's really, like, when you look at – I love rivalry weekend because I love rivalries. Um, but there's not a ton – I mean, duh. I mean, you got Ohio State and Michigan on noon – at noon, that's going to draw a massive number. Oh, Holy smokes! That and, yeah. and with everything that's going on, yeah, it's crazy. But I mean, like outside of that, you don't have like major national. I mean, you have upset possibilities, Mike, and that's what it, that that's what this weekend's going to be for this go around. But you don't have like major college football playoff ranked versus ranked type stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you've got. I mean, you've got the Civil War on Friday night at eight thirty on Fox. Look at yep. Fox. Another uh, another rivalry that knew how to steal more limelight. Yeah, I mean, so you've got that, but then from there, I mean, you've got a bunch of you got a bunch of games that could be interesting. Like, I don't think Georgia is going to stub their toe on the road at Georgia Tech, but this is how they're going to build a weekend. You've got. Number two on the road. You've got number four, Florida State, on the road. You've got number eight, Alabama, on the road. You know, that type of stuff. I mean, that's there's – no, there's no, like, what we saw ten years ago, top ten Clemson and South Carolina type matchup. Well, and really in the history of rivalry, that's happened very seldom. Um, no, yeah, exactly. You, yeah, yeah. you know, for the Florida. most part when, when or like Clemson Florida State, was up – Florida. That's a better example. Florida's not Florida this year. The generally, Florida and Florida State in the nineties, yeah. right? Florida, Florida yeah. State in the nineties. Florida State, Miami in the nineties was as good as it gets because they were routinely top ten teams going up against each other with a lot on the line it, during that time. Now, Florida State, Miami played in the middle of the season. Florida, Florida State always plays at the end. Florida, Florida State hasn't been hasn't had that kind of juice in a long time. And I'm gonna tell you what. <laughs> You know, as the um, Chief Sports Network continues to expand, we'll talk about some other shows at some other time, but I was listening to one that may or may not be a part of that uh, conglomerate uh, growing leaves. I'm making Jamie nervous even saying this. Let's just say I'm listening to another show that uh, was talking Florida football, and it's a show that I've been on a few times because I do a number of shows around the SEC, and I'm listening to it, and I mean – Everything that I thought it would be if they lost that game to Arkansas. They do a similar format to this, um, and you've got you've got you've got Chat Row, and you've got everything else, and it's just what's the buyout for Billy? What's the AD doing? Um, This is ridiculous. We're never going to be. Can we hire Kerwin Bell? Kerwin Bell's a former quarterback. That'd be like hiring Steve Tannehill to be your your head coach. Um, can we, can we fire, can we bring in an offensive coordinator? Can we demote it? I mean, it is just, it is absolute angst in the air right now, uh, over there in, in Gainesville. Yeah. Unreal. I've got a, I've got a feeling that's going to be part of our drive around the SEC coming up here in just a, coming up here in just a, a few minutes. Um, Mike, before we hit a timeout. Do you have a winner for the Week 10 Fab Five Salsaritas Challenge? As, as a matter of fact, Jamie, I certainly do. Hey, we're, this, is, this is historic. 
This is historic in, in this version of the Fab Five Challenge. Okay. Uh, the new era, I like to call it, of the Fab Five Challenge as part of the ITD, ITG show and the network that is storming this great nation, the Chief Sports Network. <laughs> we have our first female winner. All right. All right. We have our first female winner. Uh Jamie Laughlin in Columbia. Jamie okay. and her husband, Austin, they play, they compete every week and play this thing really for fun. They just like bragging rights within their house. Um, that sounds to me like a recipe for, for counseling. But Did she tell uh, you this? She told, yeah, because I oh, emailed okay. her that she won and she told me her husband, my husband and I both do this and compete against each other every week. So, Jamie, not only did you beat your husband, but you beat the rest of the field. Uh, again, three, one, and one was the winning score. Nobody went perfect, uh, but on the tiebreaker, which was passing yards for for Spencer Rattler, you won it. So Jamie's got herself All right. a fiesta pack coming from Suki and Columbia's Salsaritas. Dude, that's fantastic. Phil, do you have like a round of applause you can play, or do we just need to just <laughs> – we, we doing a golf do clap? Is that what this you is? Know, we'll add that drop next week. Uh, <laughs> come on, come on, Phil. You gotta, you gotta pick it up, man. Phil's like Mike already <laughs> threw twenty different things at me this week. Let's one thing at a time. It's celebration <laughs> time with Mike Morgan. Uh, By the way, for those that missed the Tim Brando interview yesterday, and I apologize, I know that caused a little havoc with this show. It's you know we only do uh, Tim on the show once once a year. It was outstanding. I'm just that telling you. That was a you. great interview. Yeah. You, yeah. If y'all missed it, go back and, and listen to it. On go all back and listen. It's, it's uh, great. It's just like this. Today. Check it out at 201 this afternoon. Take it out at 201. It's on the Chief Sports Network, and it's on YouTube, and it's on Spotify. All the same formats. Um, uh, it's just a great talk. With Tim. I've known Tim a long time, so when, when we have him on, we don't. I don't have like a, a schedule of what questions I want to get in. It's just kind of like wherever it takes us. And it took us a lot of different places, but uh, Tim was fantastic. So if you haven't heard it, check it out. That's our daily 201 plug of things to listen to. Once That's right. Inside the That's Gamecocks, right. the show is off the air. Well, congratulations to Jamie Laughlin. That is fantastic. Uh, all the best wishes to your marriage. I know that in my home, uh, if my wife were to beat me in this challenge, I would be furious with her because um, – she doesn't pay as close of attention. Sounds like you do pay attention. So the Salsaritas is yours. Yeah. Don't let him try to tell you what he wants in it. And it, no. it's yours. You want it. Fair and square. Tell him to make his own damn tacos for the next game. You get Salsaritas. That's all. You. That's right. And, and you know, tell him to make the bed and to do the dishes. Like, the, you, this is the trump card. When you win the Fab Five, I, I've said this many times, it's a part of your life uh it, it it's it changes your whole outlook it really does uh, there's a number of people that have won the Heisman trophy a number of people that have made valedictorian uh there's a select few that have become fab 5 challenge champions and uh, i can only i can't stress this enough how much your life will change for the better so congratulations and you notice i didn't say breaking barriers uh that's just silly talk uh, like like it usually is, uh, everybody's eligible to win the Fab Five, just like anybody's eligible to be a kicker in a football game. You're not breaking barriers just because you're the first. You didn't break a barrier. Uh, she is the first on this modern-day version of the Fab Five, but she didn't break any barriers. She'd find that as an insult because chances are she already 
dominates things in that household, and we applaud her for it. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well done, Jamie. Sorry. T- you said Tim? Tim? No, Austin. Austin. Well, I don't know matter. who Tim is. Either if, way, t- you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get that whole family in trouble if you start Tim's bringing the, Tim in. Tim's the yeah, that's right. <laughs> Tim's the gardener. We don't <laughs> want to know about <laughs> Tim's the pool guy. Tim's the pool boy. Tim's like, hey, I wasn't in there. I just I just cleaned the pool and straightened out the leaves. I don't know. I know nothing. Tim, Tim, John, Austin, yeah, whatever. Gold jacket, green jacket. Who gives it? All right, uh, it is one twenty. We've got to hit a timeout. How about a drive around the SEC? And I want to ask Mike: Will South Carolina finish three and zero in November? He's got to make a bold prediction. We won't let him off the air. No, I'm just not, I'm not going to do that to you, Mike. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hang tight. We'll be right back. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. This holiday season, you can give a gift like never before. Hey guys, it's JB. Rescues and Resin produces custom-designed wood and resin products. From tables to wall art, coasters to cutting boards, and pretty much anything you can dream. Proud Gamecocks and veteran-owned, Dustin and Tabitha are creating products that will blow your family and friends away when they take the wrapping paper off this Christmas. Check them out in the Chief Sports app now to get your custom order in before it's too late. Rescues and Resin are also proud supporters of Carolina Rise and proud partners of the Chief Sports Network. Rescuesandresin at gmail.com or in the Chief Sports app is where you can find them. Change your gift-giving game today by ordering a custom design through our friends Tabitha and Dustin and Rescues and Resin. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. It's now time to take a drive around the SEC. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. No hassles, no all-day runarounds, no ridiculous add-on stickers. At Love Chevy, buying a car is fun. South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Find new roads. One twenty-three. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show, part of the Chief Sports Network, which is proudly presented by our friends, the smoothest vodka known to man in this part of the country, Dixie Vodka. If you haven't had it, you need to, especially when your team is only three and six. You can find it in the Chief Sports app. (laughs) 
you all of a sudden you're Harry Doyle over there. Take Christ, over, I can't find it. Forget about it. Caught. By the way, this this also Power Hour presented by uh, the man there in the upper left-hand corner, uh, the not-so-handsome Brian Spencer of palmetto-medicare.com, 803-960-9484. You know, he does participate in this every week, the Fab Five. And I was getting a little nervous because he had a pretty good week, and I didn't want to have to go on here and stroke his ego any more than it already is. You know, being the number one Medicare guy in the state of South Carolina, I mean, that's something you go to a singles bar, you say that to the ladies, and all of a sudden they're buying you drinks. That's that's Brian's world. But then if you tell them I'm also a Fab Five challenge, now all of a sudden clothing is being removed, uh, oh. car keys are being given away, especially if they own a, a Blazer from Love Chevy. It's It's an uncomfortable situation where he becomes a narcissist beyond belief and we don't want to see that we want to keep brian spencer humble just keep him doing what he does well the only thing he does well and that's taking care of south carolinians for all their medicare plans and a good time to take advantage of that now because the enrollment period's going on and like everything else economically you have no control over things like interest rates rising and the price of bacon rising and mortgage rates rising and the price of just about everything rising uh, they can do that to your Medicare plan as well. So you need a free consultation with Brian Spencer of Palmetto Medicare. All right, let's get into it, shall we, boys? By the way, speaking of, uh, this is kind of SEC-related. Um, I mentioned I'm going to see a famous former Gamecock football player this weekend. Mm-hmm. That famous player is Jadavion Clowney. Oh, oh, uh, defensive end. Played uh, for Spurrier. Yes, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, I thought exactly. I Pretty good player. You might say one of the best to ever do it in Columbia. So I'm calling on Sunday. I've got uh, the Browns at the Ravens. He oh. is now, for those that don't know, a Baltimore Raven. First time I've done a game um, in Baltimore, so I'm looking forward to it. It should be a hell of a matchup. Be. What uh, uh, that'll be one? Is that a one o'clock kick? That's a one o'clock kick. It'll be heard. And, uh, uh, so when do you when do you fly to Baltimore? Saturday. I fly on uh, – so I've got the, the Georgia-Wake Forest basketball game Friday, fly to Baltimore Saturday, call the game Sunday. Oh, well, you could have – you know, when I listed the basketball game coming up on Friday earlier, you could have interjected and said, yeah, by the way, I'm calling that game. I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I did, actually. Remember I said I was watching Georgia-Oregon in preparation of Georgia-Wake, and I saw Jermaine uh, yeah. Kusnard. Did. Did. We had a whole conversation about that. Yeah. Sorry, I've been Googling uh, the cheapest butterball turkeys in the area because they're down to 99 cents a pound. I'm trying to prepare for Thanksgiving while hosting a show. McFly. <laughs> Hello, McFly. <laughs> By the way, take a guess. How many career sacks do you think Jadavion Clowney has in the NFL? Um, I think it's like 25 or something. 30? Yeah, I'd say there. probably hovering around 20. All right, if JC was here, I think he'd go, well, type, 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 type. Yeah. 32. Is it 32? Yeah. JC would have won. No, no, it's more than that. 46 oh. and a half. You oh, guys are lowballing Jadavion Clowney. That's okay. That's okay. That's it, you know. How do you lowball Jadavion? Well, Clinton did it, too. 
31. Well, chasing down running backs, you know, from the other side of the formation. That's how I remember it. Yeah, and in all fairness, like the the expectation after that play in the Outback Bowl, I mean, he was treated like an alien. Like like he was going to go to the NFL and do things that no other pass rusher has ever done in the history of the league, and that just wasn't fair. Jadavion Clowney's a talented player, but honestly, he he hasn't had a Hall of Fame type career. He's had a solid career, made a lot of money for him and his family. God love Jadavion Clowney. Life's been good for JC. But but the way they talked about him on draft day, and of course he went number one overall. Um, they you would have thought you were talking about Bruce Smith, Reggie White, and Deacon Jones combined, and that was a little bit unfair. Uh, quite honestly, to uh, Mr. Clowney. But I'm looking forward to calling one of his games this weekend. Every time I do an NFL game, I always see what, what former Gamecocks are on there. So you'll have – think about this. I could call a Clowney sack on Deshaun Watson. I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and predict that will happen. Yeah. He will sack Deshaun Watson. Yeah. He's got a thing for Clemson quarterbacks. That should we, Maybe we'll make that a part of this week's Fab Five. Does Jadavion yeah. Clowney will, yeah. will sack – Point five over or under will sack Deshaun Watson in the Ravens Browns game. I think that's a if Taj Boyd was over there, you could put it around like seven and a half. Yeah, you could, you could <laughs> definitely increase that number. <laughs> yes. That's good. That's good. By the way, I love Taj. Like Taj is one of the great dudes out there. Yeah. And every time I see him, I'm hmm. like, you, 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 you still a little banged up? He's like, shut up, man. That happened 13 so, years ago. I'm like, I'm just saying. I, People don't forget it when one guy sacks you five times in one game. You know that 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 never leaves you. <laughs> no, that was that was pretty. Um, pardon my French, badassery. Uh, yeah. And yes, Craig, I do go on the field pregame. Uh, me and Brian Baldinger, who's a longtime <laughs> offensive lineman. So when I'm next to him, I feel like if any trouble breaks out, I'm. I'm he's like my analyst and my bodyguard, just in case. <laughs> um, and yeah, and to Kendall, John Abraham, John Abraham. Quite honestly, probably the best I ever saw overall. People are going to beat us up over this. Yeah. He was the best defensive lineman I ever saw, at Carolina, not Jadavion yeah, Clowney. I, I, I agree. I, I think he was too, in my mind. He, he, you know, he played on some bad teams. Yeah. So he doesn't get the credit. But yeah, 133 and a half sacks. He, he will be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. That's a Hall of yeah. Famer. Yeah. Um, and he was exceptional in college. But again, he played on bad teams. So nobody paid a whole yeah. lot of attention to him so uh okay so drive okay, around milk, the sc yep. milk, cue up the music and yeah we got a little music the band and the strum the strings and the drums yeah, and the, strike up the band here. you know strike up the band we have to strike up the band make sure we're not still playing something else here there we strike go. up the band puts on like nwa whoops i saw boys in the hood again on cable, love that movie. Although edited, it does lose. A, trying to do a do a movie with Easy E when you're not allowed curse words on the air. Not that easy. Not easy. Yeah, that's it. Nothing nice easy movie. about it. Okay, so we do have another college football poll coming out today. My guess is they'll leapfrog Georgia over Ohio State. Why? Because Georgia finally beat a top twenty team. And if you watch the Ohio State Rutgers game, and very few people did. They struggled to beat Rutgers. Shiano's done a hell of a job there. If it wasn't for a pick six late in that game, Ohio State would have had all they could handle against Rutgers. Georgia really is going to prove itself in the next couple weeks. They still have Ole Miss this Saturday. That'll be in Athens. I, 
I mentioned I'm going to be in Athens Friday to, to, to do the Wake Forest basketball game. The hotel rooms for Friday night, I was going to stay Friday night. $1,200 for a room at the Homewood Suites. $1,200. If, if you want to get a hotel room in Athens on Friday night, look it up. Go to hotels.com. Go to whatever. $1,200. Wow. That's not price gouging. No, of course not. <laughs> Supply and demand, I guess. Um, anyway, Georgia will likely be number one. If you look at the latest AP poll, it's the same old, same old. Georgia's number one. Uh, they've been number one now for an SEC record 20 consecutive weeks in the AP poll. Speaking of SEC records, Georgia has now won 26 consecutive games. Here's where they stand all time on the SEC uh, hit list on that. They're tied with Tennessee, the 1937-39 volunteer squad led by Robert Neyland. Uh, that that streak snapped when they lost to the Trojans of Southern Cal 14-0 in the Rose Bowl. Uh, Saban had 26 in a row with Bama in 2015-2016. You guys remember who they lost to to snap in that streak? 2016? Yes. This is not that hard. You know this. I think. No, I don't. Come on now. It's the reason why this guy has the job at Auburn. Oh, Hugh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze beat him back to back years. That's what I was about to say. I was about to say Ole Miss, and then you I was like, right. wait, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. Beat him back to back years. And that's that's why Hugh Freeze has gotten a chance at redemption, and he's at Auburn now. Uh, the all time streaks belong to Alabama 28. They did it in 91 to 93. Those were the Gene Stallings teams. The, the one that ended that streak, I forgot about this, in 1993 was a 17-17 tie to Tennessee back when we had ties. Mm-hmm. And the one that everybody remembers is 28 that Bama rolled up with the Bear, 78-80. to The team that snapped that streak, I've seen a, a documentary on this game because, again, I'm kind of a football nerd, as, in case you didn't notice. They lost to Mississippi State by a final score of 6-3 to in Starkville. In 1980? In 1980. That snapped the SEC's longest streak. It's still, to this day, they talk about it in Starkville, the biggest win in the history of that program. Bear Bryant, the class act that he was, after the loss, went out of his way to walk into the Mississippi State locker room and congratulate the Bulldogs snapping the streak and pulling off the upset. Say what you want about the Bear. Wow. Man, the man recognized people say bad things about the Bear? I know. Uh, well, he's a chronic smoker. I don't. I don't. Well, I mean, so, so was Joe Morrison, but his pic- <laughs> his picture's hanging on my wall. I mean, that, that, that was the way you did things back then. Fire Bear Bryant, fire yeah. him! Yeah, I said it. He's sending a terrible message to the kids. James, smoking son of a. I said it. Everybody else is afraid to say. It. I'm saying it right now. You fire the bear. You fire him. Oh, okay. I can hear. It. If only we had that back in. Back in 1980. Could you imagine some of those coaches back then, if you had Twitter, like the guys, the way they did it back oh, then? <laughs> it's, I, I mean, pardon my French, but we, we have opened up the floodgates for asshats to just sit there and commentate oh, yeah. on stuff. Because, again, it's just like you know, anybody can do it. I mean, you, you don't have to have credibility or an audience. You can just go on there and do what you will. And I'm sure for coaches, that's probably like, seriously? Seriously? It used to be coaches could pretty much control a lot of the media, especially in small markets. You could you could do that. 
uh, you can't do that anymore. Cannot. Uh, the updated bowl projections. Right now, the SEC, by my count, has 10 teams slated. This is according to Jerry Palm. Jerry does good work. He's got, uh, obviously, Georgia playing for all the marbles uh, in, a, in a semi. He's got Bama in the Cotton Bowl against Oregon. Tennessee against Iowa in the Citrus. LSU against NC State in the ReliaQuest, a.k.a. the Outback Bowl. It'll always be the Outback Bowl to me. It's the Outback Bowl. Bloomin' yeah. Bloomin' onions trump whatever Raya Quest is pimping, I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh and the Music City Bowl, A and M Wisconsin. It's such a great bowl game just to be That's in Nashville. A, that would be it's wow. pretty juicy. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty juicy. Phil Longo calling calling up plays for Wisconsin. Former Ole Miss offensive coordinator. Uh Florida, Kansas Carolina. State, and the Liberty. Uh, Missouri, Carolina in the Gator. Auburn, Oklahoma in the Texas. The incredibly disgusting condiment bowl in Charlotte. Kentucky taking on Duke. Oh, my goodness. Mississippi State battling Iowa State in the Independence. And on December 23rd, mark your calendars in the city that never sleeps of Birmingham, Alabama. The Gamecocks taking on UCF, the Birmingham Bowl. Who's with me? Uh, God. Who's so talking about Gus Malzahn versus Shane Beamer? Yeah, in Birmingham. Who? So, but but the good news is if that's that's Jerry Palm, right? Yes. Okay. So does people he have, remember this? Remember this. You don't have to win six. Well, that's yeah. what I've, I've heard this a million is, times. Is this a? Okay. So he's not it, saying it, it, that they went out. He's just saying they get. No, the, no. Same thing with Florida. Florida could get into a bowl at five and seven. There's there's too much of this being said. It's it's not being put into context. There are not going to be 82 teams that are bowl eligible. Right. So then you have to go to the next layer of five and seven teams. And the whole thing with APR, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. How they pick them, but do you like that? You could. No, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's insane. I think it's I think it's absolutely ridiculous. But uh, but there will be five and seven teams in bowl games. And if you're a five and seven SEC team, I think you'd have a pretty good shot at it. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, so that's the bowl, and th- those are up to the. He's had now Carolina in the Gasparillo, the uh, what is it, the first responder bowl at one point, mm-hmm. and now to Birmingham. So he's he's bounced to Carolina around three different times, based on all the results of all the other teams as well. Who's in the uh, Gasparillo? Who does he have now in the Gasparillo? Well, I missed it. Oh, I, I, well, because yeah, I didn't I say it. Because I don't think it's an SEC team. Oh. Is that? Is it? Uh, no, no he's got Georgia State, Utah State, in the Gasparillo now. He had Georgia oh. State, Carolina before, but it's changed. Boy, that would be something. John versus Shane. Yeah. Again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You don't think Sean might take that game a little personally? Uh, I think he would. Yeah. If you're the Gasparilla Bowl, you are probably praying that somehow there's an SEC team that squeezes into that. Well, of course, all these all these second rate tier tier two, Actually, tier three bowl games are hoping for that. You probably would have a pretty good contingent of Utah State fans that would make it to Tampa, Florida, because it'd be mid December. They'd be like, "Hell yeah, we're going!" <laughs> I don't know Utah State's enrollment. I mean, what are, do they have? 
15,000 students? I don't know. A little, little known fact here, Logan Munson, who went to pitch for the North Carolina Tar Heels and then transferred to South Carolina while you were calling games here. Uh-huh. Uh, his, his brother was a golfer who played at Youth Pesco. See, that's, that is definitely a factoid I did not have in my back pocket. Uh, updated standings. The only undefeated team, of course, is Georgia. We have one winless team after Arkansas got the win in overtime at the Swamp. The one winless team is going up against the Gamecocks this Saturday, and don't you know they're going to do everything in their power to steal one on the road. The Commodores are 0-6 in the league, 2-8 and overall. <clears throat> when you look at this week's slate of games, Alabama is at Kentucky. That'll be noon on ESPN. Vandy, Carolina, noon on SEC Network. Auburn, Arkansas, Arkansas, three-point favorite at home against Auburn. Ole Miss at Georgia. Georgia is a 10.5-point favorite of that one. Again, that that is, you cannot get a ticket to that game, nor can you get a hotel room. Florida at LSU, and of course, Jaden Daniels, the question is, will he he be eligible? Now, let me ask you guys something. Did you see the hit on Jaden in the Alabama game? Yeah. 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 What do you think? Would you... Do I think... Talking about the hit by Dallas Turner. Do I think that it was targeting? Well, yeah. I mean, fans right now, and obviously a lot of these are LSU fans, fans are saying, how in the hell... It did draw a 15-yard penalty, right? It was a personal foul, unnecessary roughness. But how in the hell is that not targeting or helmet to helmet? Like, nothing else was called. So you got guys getting suspended for a half a game for doing a somewhat routine hit in the secondary... This hit drew nothing more than a 15-yard penalty. Yeah, that's where I was going with it because just the previous game, um, DQ Smith was disqualified. Can we put that up, Phil? If if you get a chance, maybe maybe we could. It's on you. It's on Twitter and YouTube. Um, Hit, yeah, yeah. um, DQ DQ Smith got uh, thrown a 15-yard penalty and removed from the game for targeting in the A&M game when he lowered his head and tackled the guy in his chest. That's right. Because he led with the crown of his helmet. Yeah, right. That's the indicator. But this guy led with the crown of his helmet too, right? It hit him in the chin. Yeah, I mean, he hit him helmet to helmet. Now, whether or not they considered it crown of the helmet, that's why I want to – I'm going on memory. I want to see it again. Uh, But while I I scroll through this, maybe uh, Phil can can dial it up and we can do a little – Kind of like a DeMarco type of segment, but without DeMarco. Um, so Florida's at LSU. By now you know Florida has found every way imaginable to lose to LSU, including a guy throwing a shoe when the game was already over and then giving LSU life. LSU has owned the Gators here of late. If Billy Napier loses this one and Florida State, <laughs> Mississippi State's at Texas A&M. That'll be on ESPN2 at 7.30. Aggies are a 19-point favorite. Mississippi State right now is they could use a hug. And I don't know, you know, that's that's one of those markets that's not as brutal as the rest of the SEC in a lot of ways. Zach Arnett, I'm sure, is getting a steady dose of I'm not sure if he's the guy. So he doesn't have a – he just doesn't have that win to kind of hang his hat on right now. Uh, and the offense, they went from leech to whatever they're doing now. And then 3.30 on CBS, Tennessee at Missouri – Tennessee is a one-point favorite at I don't Mizzou. That. What do you think it should be? 
I I thought Missouri would be favored by a field goal or more in that game. Yeah. Well, you might be right. I mean, yeah, no Milton on the road, man. That's too. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I I think it's a really, I think it's a very tough game to handicap. Look, Missouri tough. showed itself showed itself well against Georgia. Absolutely. By the way, around here in Atlanta, this is when you know you're spoiled. You got Georgia fans whining about not winning more convincingly. It's like, man, yeah, nobody that's... wants to hear your problems. Nobody wants. To. Okay, here uh, for those where's that are just Cabo, listening. Uh, where, where's Tyler from Spartanburg? All right, we're watching in slow motion thanks to our producer, Phil Molinax. Hey, yeah, see, but that's that not the crown. <laughs> Play it again, Phil. Th- this is where I could actually stand up for the call. Yeah, I got it. I, I got it. I don't think it's crown of the helmet. Watch Turner's face mask. It, it drew a flag 15 yards. But are you going to kick him out of the game over this? Well, I mean, I, I guess it. I guess. Here we go. It's I, I. He's still leading with the helmet, though. But not the crown. Right, and that's where again. And he hits him below the, like. Hmm. Here, See, here's, I, here's I'm okay the with problem. the penalty without without kicking. First of all, I don't like uh, kicking out players of games for hits or suspending him for a half a game. I'm okay with no targeting there. I'll say that. Phil. Make sure you don't show all of your breath. I am too. I, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> don't hit the history button. Yeah. Um, I don't know the meaning of that word. I, I, I think that what is all that? of football needs to come to a conclusion on what. Mapper did a clowns. Phil, please. <laughs> Phil, sorry. Because, like, in the NFL, you had a tackle on Sunday where the guy just landed on the quarterback. There's nothing he could do. He tackled him and just fell over him, and they threw a flag because he landed on the quarterback. I, that can't be a penalty. But right there, he not only hit him on the, on the chin with his helmet. I get it. It wasn't the crown, but he hit him mm-hmm. on the chin, leading with the helmet, landed on top of him. In the, in the NFL, he's getting 15 yards for that. Yeah, and that's where the NFL rule um, – is actually more strict than the college rule. Yeah. Is putting all your weight on top of the quarterback. But you don't see that called in college. So you can't even incidentally hit them in the head with your hand. Like if, you know, you're close to them and O-line knocks your arm into the helmet of the quarterback in the NFL, they'll flag that. My my compromise to all of this has been kind of like in basketball. All right. We we have flagrant one, flagrant two. We need that when it comes to targeting. It has to it, it, you got to make it incredibly egregious if you're going to kick the player out and suspend him for a half of a game the next week. I I'm That's so way too punitive. I, I think that are we done by the way with the Yeah, yeah, so that is that is okay. the Love Chevy Phil, Phil, drive around the SEC. You you can, tell, uh, tell the band to take the rest of the game. What, what, what is it? Send the mariachi band home. Send the mariachi um, band home. Um, back to Salsaritas. I, I I think that this this whole suspension thing for, is is just a nightmare. It Throw sucks. them out for the rest of the game. That's fine if it's egregious. Um, but like the DQ Smith one, like that just should. I mean, I mean, I. I, I don't know. All all of it, it to me is look. There are worse tackles that happen every game than some of those, and I get it. The the rule is to protect both players. I understand what I understand the rule, 
I understand the rule. I've still never gotten a, a direct response. We used to have uh, Penn Wagers. So I, I love Penn. He's a wonderful man, a former ACC and SEC official. He used to be on my mm-hmm. show every week on ESPN. Yeah. And I asked Penn over and over and over and over and over. I asked him literally, Mike, every week for months, what happens if you are not leading with the crown of your helmet, but the ball carrier dips his helmet to you to protect himself from getting hit or to protect the ball, and you coincidentally hit helmets? And no, never have I gotten the answer. See, that's the say, thing that bothered me about the DQ Smith thing is because they were like, well, it's for his own protection. I'm like, yeah, but you don't – I mean, I'm sure somebody's got the numbers and statistics, but how many times does that get called on the offensive player for doing precisely what you just said, JB? Yeah. Like, why isn't <laughs> it targeting I mean, on the offense? Every week. And it should be. By the letter of the rule, it is targeting because it doesn't say it's just for defensive players. But they don't. they do not call it. They do not call it. No, I don't. It doesn't. I don't know. We could do this over and over. This is probably the most debated rule in sports. Target. Right. If you want, we can get, we can have a little wrapping with the ref on this show. I'll leave it up. Yeah, to you we guys. need to do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can get Dennis on. You you name the. Uh, you want to do it Thursday? We can have him on Thursday. It's up to you guys. Thursday? Yeah. Uh, let's I, mean, see. I know you got Thursday? you got other guests coming on, or we can uh, do we it have- next Tuesday. No, we don't. We have Perry. Oh, we have Park Avenue. We have Perry and Park Avenue. Yeah, Perry. No, we don't have Park any guests while you're on. Okay. Well, uh, I'll I'll throw it out there. It's a pot. You know, when we're not getting knee deep in the X's and O's of Vanderbilt, we can uh, break it down. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> commode doors come to town on a 14 game losing streak for the game. Oh, uh, Spurrier. Yes. But, Good old yeah, Steve. Forty plus plays of. 20-plus yard through the air this season. So that ought to make everybody sleep well for the next four days. Yeah. Did I repeat this? On, I haven't repeated this yet. Don't ever schedule Jacksonville State again. Oh, Don't I, do I it. No, no, no. Don't do it. I, no. I, I warned. I gave everybody fair warning last week. Mm-hmm. This is a program that beat Florida State in Tallahassee a couple of years ago, the same Florida State program that could play for a national championship. They beat Ole Miss and Oxford – they're a, a one double A power that's now Division One. They've got a head coach in Rich Rodriguez who been there, done that. You have nothing to gain and a whole lot to lose when you play a team like that. I am not surprised that that game caused ang- anxiety and uh, a lot of tight orifices on the body. No, yeah, they do what they Nick Saban been, does. Yeah, schedule Western Carolina. Them. Schedule UT Martin. Don't schedule. <laughs> that's right. Don't don't do that. Yeah, that's I, all. I, <laughs> I've never felt the stadium that anxious in person. Uh, like it, it was palpable. Uh, oh, I, mean, I have. All, yeah. Well, yeah. You've been there for some of the some of the bad <laughs> ones. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Are you kidding me? Right up there, close was, to it, JB. I was <laughs> right at home. I was sitting here like, yeah. Every year, there's always every, one. You know? Are you? You were there, me? right? Jamie, yeah, you were at the you were at the game. I'm one of the only idiots that goes to every one of these things, Mike. I mean, I'm uh, always there. Yeah, I mean, I've I, sat through all of them. I sat through a damn hurricane in Raleigh, North Carolina, in 1999. We had 71 yards of offense that night in Lou Holtz's first game. What a miserable but memorable oh, experience I that, that was. Well. Yeah, walked yeah. through a cow pasture to get back to the car after. Yeah, that was nice. Um, we're out of. We don't need any more breaks, do we, Phil? Uh. Well, technically, yeah, we are owed one. We do. 
we do need one more. Let's break. let's let's hit one quick final timeout when we return. Uh, one of the Mike hit on something I was planning to hit on with him today. Florida and LSU. The Gators did beat the Gamecocks, but what if they had not beaten the Gamecocks? We'll dabble in that quickly when we get back. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cool Joe, will you? And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer, just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. segment inside the Gamecocks the show uh we'll get more into hoops tomorrow a uh, name I didn't mention earlier and should have Morris Yukasuk looked really really good last night Lamont wanted to redshirt him and now he's not going to do that um <laughs> hats off to that young man for getting in there and making a difference Mike the Gators 
as you pointed out earlier, head to LSU. They'll kick it off at 7.30 on the SEC Network Saturday night down um, in uh, on the bayou. Uh, they will, if they lose, fall to 500 overall on the on the year, 5-5, five and five, but they'll be under 500 in league play at 3-4. and four. Those three wins coming against the Vols, great win. Vanderbilt and South Carolina, who have combined for a 1-11 and 11 record in league play. What if they lost to South Carolina? The game they should have We're, lost to South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, what uh, if it wasn't down for the last five minutes with, of that game? Yeah. Like, would he even – would he be there now? Would the, what, what, what is, Because they got to go – they've got LSU, they got Missouri on the road, and then they've got Florida State at home. Yeah, you mean if you had a defensive coordinator that didn't try to play Pearsall man-to-man um, – don't do that leave, to these people. Mike. Leave a six Four foot people. three, six foot four defensive back trying to cover a guy who's going to break your ankles in half. Um, it it would have been. It just would have been toxic earlier, right? So, like the if you remember that game happened right before the bye for Florida, so the negativity prevailed in Gamecock country, and there was a little bit of positive vibe. Like I think there was a lot of wishful thinking in Gator country that, oh, this is the game that's going to turn it around. And that route that Pearsall ran was symbolic of the Chris Doring game that Spurrier won at Kentucky in 93. And it was like, oh, okay. And then reality came crashing down, and they still lost to the better teams in this league. And that's still going on. So in other words, it just delayed the inevitable, which the inevitable there is there's a whole lot of talk about, is this the right hire? What needs to be done? What coaching changes needs to be made? Um, as I've said before, as it pertains to Carolina, there's a good chance there's going to be a, a, a different – I'm not talking with inside information here. Let me be careful. It wouldn't shock me if there was a different defensive coordinator next season in Columbia. Okay? I don't have inside information. Nobody told me this. I'm just saying, based on the results, when I look at the rankings and I see a Carolina defense that's last in almost every meaningful category – um, if that happens, guess what? You're nothing special. You're like every other SEC coach that's fired coordinators, every one of them, from Nick Saban to Kirby Smart to all 14 schools. So this is not a problem that's just reserved for Gamecock football. You hire coordinators, you hope they work out, and when they don't, you fire them. And they don't have $30 million buyouts like head coaches. You fire a coordinator, here's your moving expenses, here's a little something for you and the missus, and here's a gift card to Chili's. So long. And then you bring in a new one. That's It's done everywhere. It's done everywhere. So this whole thing, oh, Shane can't hire. <laughs> Every coach does this. They go, they try coordinators. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. Clearly, uh, defensively, not much is working for Carolina this year. So uh, to, to circle back to your original question, all that's on the table right now at Florida. And it's all – and you got to remember for them – to go, imagine you went from this: a national title under Spurrier in '96, two more under Urban in '06, '08. We're not talking the 1950s, right? This is not like Ole Miss fans talking about. Remember that time and Vaught Hemingway and Johnny Vaught and and, uh, and and the great 1960 campaign? No, no, no. This is the 2000s. They went from winning three national titles and multiple SEC championships to now they are in the bottom third in the league. And the fans there just cannot compute it. And you go through, Jeremy Foley was considered one of the best ADs in the country 
He fired Ron Zook. He hired Ron Zook. Failure. McElween. Failure. Muschamp. Failure. You can bring in a new AD. He hires Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen. Failure. And now a lot of people in Gainesville are saying, Billy Napier, I don't know, man. I just don't know. So it would have been bad, Jamie, but it's just as bad now, honestly. And if they lose again to LSU, it's just going to be more of the same. We're out of time. I'll ask this question. I'll write it down, and I'll make sure we come back and expand on the answer on Thursday. That's the ultimate cliffhanger. Over under SEC coaches fired at the end of the year, two and a half. This year? Oh. I know where I'm going with that. You want me to save that? To- if you, it, it, the, the names, the coaches that I would think would be in that pool are named Sam Pittman, Jimbo Fisher, Billy Napier. Um, might be they're not firing Billy. Uh, it's over a thirty million dollar buyout. It's year two. That would be okay. the third coach that AD has hired in like four or five years. Well, I don't. I don't think so. I guess what I'm. I'm. I'm just for the conversation. Yeah. The names that could be brought into it. I, probably Arnett. I hate to say that. And I don't think they should, but it, it will. It would be in the conversation, as you pointed out a little yeah. while ago. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think your number is spot on. I think two and a half would be – that's a very juicy but, number. And, and, and I got one. I don't think this will happen to him. But had Kentucky lost to Mississippi State this last weekend, you can bet that they'd be howling in, in Lexington. Well, if they do, then, they're, then that's stupid. No, I agree. Because – I'm just saying. You can go back to Joker Phillips, Kentucky, <laughs> where you couldn't win a game – uh, or you could stick with the guy that's done miraculous things in Lexington. Yeah, I, I'll, if, you, if they would have lost to Mississippi State, the likelihood of beating Bama at South Carolina at Louisville would look just daunting. I, and even, I don't care if they lose out. Yeah, You cannot fire Mark Stoops with what he has done at Kentucky. That, that would be so naive and not knowing who you are. But all you have to do is look at the history of Kentucky football before Mark got there, and you wouldn't think twice about. It. I, I'm not saying you're wrong. There are fans. We know this. No, There's the fringe everywhere. To me. I'm, yeah, but that's where we are in college football. That's well, yeah. And, and again, when I'm in Lexington, uh, like I said, you're not wrong. There are fans that are uber critical, and they're tired of the boring offense, and they're and they've had to fire coordinators. Uh, but no, Mark Stoops gets a pass. He's got. He's got enough equity. You can't possibly even think about firing him right now. Uh, I think he should be one of the safest coaches in this league, in a league where every coach is hired to be fired. That's not named Nick Saban or Kirby Smart. Uh, He's one of the safest guys out there. Should be. Thank God for Akron, Ball State, and Eastern Kentucky. Well, now, yeah, that's not (laughs) – Remember, he's beaten Florida how many times? I know. He's he's beaten he's beaten Tennessee. He's yeah. put together uh, double digit win seasons at Kentucky football in this day and age, not the down SEC. This day and age, right? With yes. guys at quarterback that most people couldn't even remember their names. Will Levis. Well, he he didn't have he had one good year. By the way, Will Will's playing playing pretty damn well. With the uh, Titans. 
There's a reason people wanted him. Yeah, yeah, not his fault. Nobody blocked. Will Levis had Spencer Rattler's offensive line last year. Right. And everybody said, Oh God, Will Levis can't play anymore. That's a great point. You gotta have a line. You gotta be able to block for these dudes. Both are athletic quarterbacks. Will can run. That shows but, you. Spencer Rattler, second rounder. He's better than Levis. Worse offensive line and better. Rattler, uh, I, top ten pick. Top ten pick. Going to the Panthers. Bryce Young, move over. I'm just, I'm the Panthers don't have a top ten pick because they traded it away. They gave that away. That's the way they do things up there. They, they they trade away what would be the number one pick for a guy that's still trying to prove that he can play at this level in Bryce Young. As tall yeah. as my fourteen year old. Yeah. <laughs> thanks to Hilma Granahan and always thanks to Mike Morgan. Built by the Barndoco, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and live from the. Sinorama Studios. We're back tomorrow at 11. Inside the game. Had a blast, guys. Thank you. Well done. See you tomorrow.